the Zimmer News Network on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. I don't want to hear or see the Republican Party. It is terrifying. The hypocrisy is just running rampant. Because tonight is gas rationing the answer. Yep, well, Fargo, you, do you know what environmental racism is? They were wrong, and Donald Trump was right. Well, I think your listeners are some of the smartest listeners in America because they have the information that comes across your radio waves. All right, all right, all right. Well, how many lives per sentence do you say? Do you have a quota? Uh, are you a death-on-demand kind of guy, Dave? Can you, can you answer yeah, my question? Yeah, how many lives per sentence? Ooh, scary. This is Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Lunzader, and Producer Cass Bowen on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Yes, good morning this morning. Good morning, my people, all across the land, all across the fruited plain. This is Tuesday. Congratulations, you survived Monday. <laughs> Back at it again, Titanic Tuesday, indeed. Tuesday, June the 20th, 2021, 5.36 in the a.m. This is 93.3 a.m. 5.60 KWTO. I'm Tim Jones, former speaker of your Missouri House of Representatives, joined by Cass Bowen Anderson, our executive producer, Extraordinaire and Don Luzader, our news director, knows all things far and near. We've got a fantastic show for you here today, as we always do. Why would we provide anything less? It is uh, going to be Tim's top three at 6.05, 7.05, and 8.05. The AccuWeather update just after our 6.15 break. We'll be uh, presenting you that around 6.20 a.m. Jeff from AccuWeather, I think back in the saddle today, will provide you a look at your Midday, midday, weekday forecast, and uh, look ahead towards the weekend, and we should possibly talk to Jeff about the fact that we are approaching, I believe, the summer solstice. I believe it's tomorrow. I think it's usually the 21st of June, which kind of makes me sad because even though I love the four seasons, you know, and I love crisp fall, I love I love Missouri in the fall, you know, the, the heartland, the Midwest is just fantastic in the fall. I have very much enjoyed seeing the sunshine very early in the morning since we get up in the middle of the night. You know, it's already light right now, you know, just after 5.30 in the morning. You start seeing a little light in the sky, and then the sun pops up over the horizon shortly thereafter. Well, we start losing. So after the summer solstice, even though we've still got lots of summer left, I'm not trying to end anybody's summer prematurely, we will start losing like a minute or so a day from the uh from the daylight you know i've really enjoyed these uh these uh the, uh the late summer evenings and all that so we won't notice it at first for a while except for those of us who get up and literally watch the sunrise every morning <laughs> uh but we will start uh we will start experiencing that let me see let me see if i got here da, 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 da. nine it will be 58 a.m is the uh tomorrow you're right tim it is june 21st uh 9 58 a.m is when summer officially arrives there we go. And that'll be the longest day of the year. The official yes. the official first day of summer. Believe it or not, we're still in spring. I know it's weird. This is still spring. Uh, tomorrow will begin summer. Summertime. So <clears throat> we'll talk to Jeff a little bit about that. Former Missouri State Representative, U.S. Marine Corps retired Paul Kurtman, 
our timing is just always so perfect because the Biden administration just wrapped up an, another just epic disaster of a foreign trip. Uh, Anthony Blinken goes to Beijing, uh, walks in there, hat in hand, head bowed, sits at the far end of the kids' table. Did you see the photographs from that? I mean, the Chinese who are, I know I, I know I, uh, I know I'm very rough on the Chinese, uh, and you should be because unfortunately they're run by communists, literally. But I'll tell you, the Chinese play the long game. I'm going to give them credit for that. That is a civilization uh, that has been around for you know thousands of years. They're very proud people, and they're really into nuance and minute symbolism and symbolism that also smacks you in the face. They're into that, too. And so if you notice the photographs of Blinken and Chairman Xi, now look, Blinken is not Xi's equal politically, right? Xi is the leader of the country. Blinken is the emissary from the United States. However, in previous visits, like even with Lavrov, so Lavrov is like Putin's right-hand guy. When he went to visit, the Chinese wanted to show favor to the Russians. Ooh, look at us in this cool new alliance we have, commies and commies and fascists, you know? So they had Lavrov, Putin's right-hand guy, basically in the center cut of the, in, in, of the shot, in the center shot. And kind of saying, you know, you're not quite my equal, but we'll put you in the middle of the table here. When Biden was there, what, that one time, I don't know if he was in Beijing. No, he wasn't in Beijing, but they were together somewhere. And uh, look, the Chinese get to do what they want to do when somebody visits their country. But my point here is when you look at the shot, oh, Putin, when Putin visited Xi, right? Two, what, two leaders that consider themselves global leaders, center shot. Xi was in the center of the shot yesterday of all the photographs taken, and Blinken's like way over on the far left-hand side of the screen. Look at the photographs. I'm being honest with you, and this means something. It means that Xi is currently in a position where he's looking down upon the United States of America. He is not viewing Blinken as anywhere near his equal or even once Blinken even think about that. And so, you know, Blinken went over there with one mission, and that was to reestablish military communications. He failed. He failed. And so the, the corporate media is going to spin this on the, on the hyperdrive spin cycle today. But we're going to talk to Paul Kurtman at 635 about what really happened, about what it really means, and what it means for you here at home. Communist China is a powerful nation. They're a nuclear nation. They're a huge nation. I sound like Kamala Harris now. They're a really big country. So they uh, and and because of a lot of mistakes that the United States of America has made over the last 50, 60 years under Republican and Democratic presidencies. And look, <clears throat> if I was in charge, would I have possibly made the same mistakes? Possibly. We thought we all thought collectively that we could open up China to the West, welcome them in to the uh to 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 the, the 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 democratic institutions of the world and you know if we put enough McDonald's and Walmarts there then they would embrace representative democracy as well. Well it didn't work. It didn't work. Communist China has some weird mix of pseudo capitalism governed by basically a Politburo, right? Of elitists, uh of communists, real communists, like died in the wool, communist Chinese party and that's who runs that nation now. So they don't want to be partners with the U.S. They want to dominate the U.S. They want to be the new world superpower. And so 
Democrats need to wake up and realize that everything we tried to do over the last 50, Republicans have woken up to this. And I believe some Democrats have. I don't know if the D.C. Democrats have, the elitists in power. I think they're more than happy to kowtow uh, and kneel at the feet of the communist Chinese because so many Democrats don't like American exceptionalism. They don't care for it. They want to manage the decline. Look at look at their leader. Who more identifies managing the, the decline than Joe Biden himself? God save the queen, man. I mean, the guy doesn't even know what country he's in or what he should be saying at the end of speeches. Okay. Nothing about that statement that Joe Biden made makes any sense whatsoever. They're, they're trying to now come up with really bizarre explanations as to why Joe Biden in Connecticut after a gun control speech said, God save the queen. Okay. Uh, and, and let's just admit it. Joe Biden is a confused, dementia-ridden old man. All right, let's just be honest about it. He should not be running for re-election. This has nothing to do with his age. I know plenty of late 70s, 80s. I know 85-year-olds that would do a better job as president than Joe Biden because they have all their faculties about them. He doesn't. It's not an age thing. It's a cognitive thing, and he's cognitively an absolute fit. Joe Biden was a goofball gaff machine before he started suffering cognitively, and now he's worse. Ah, didn't mean to get off on that tangent. Uh, Chris Arps joining us at 715. We're going to talk about the uh, electoral stage here in the state of Missouri. Ranked choice voting popping up, rearing its ugly head again. We'll focus on that with Chris and why you should not sign any freaking clipboards this year when you're approached at the library, the grocery store, or the big box store. Gabe Pfeiffer at 815, a.k.a. St. John the Philosopher. I saw a new, you know, I like to have a lot of fun with Gabe because he and I like the same kind of geeky, wonky stuff. There's a new Disney series coming out from Marvel Studios. I want to ask him about that. We'll also ask him about some of the remaining news of the day that we don't get to with anyone else. The Morning Dump at 845 and more. All righty. Uh, Don, Cass, good morning to you guys. Don, I forgot to ask you yesterday about the Cardinals. At what point, Don, did the Cardinals start admitting that, uh, you know, the, the season is, you know, becoming to the point where, you have to admit it just wasn't your year, and you need to start making some changes. Well, I don't know if they uh, <clears throat> have admitted that or will ever admit it, unfortunately. But uh, here's the thing. They've now won three ball games in a row. Uh, not that uh, I'm getting too excited that they're going to have a winning season because they are still 13 games under 500. But they fell behind Tim in Washington yesterday, 5 to nothing, with Jack Flaherty on the mound. He gave up three runs in the first, two in the second. And the Cardinals came back and won the game eight to six. So, okay. hallelujah, three game winning streak for the Cardinals. <laughs> there we have it. There we have it. And are they still in last place? Uh, they are still in last place. They no longer have the worst record in the National League now. That belongs to the Washington Nationals. Colorado now has the second worst record, and the Cardinals only have the third worst record, but they are still in last place in the division. And the Cincinnati Reds won their ninth ball game in a row yesterday. The Brewers lost. The Reds take over first place in the National League Central. I guess in a division where the leader is only three games over 500, I guess you could maybe hope with hope that you could somehow close that gap right. over the next few months. And, but, uh, you know, the struggle is real uh, this year for the Cardinals, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, and they're, and they're eight games out. So, Tim, I mean, teams have come back from being a lot uh, further behind. But the problem is, you know, uh, you have all these teams in front of you in the division. It's very difficult to climb up from the cellar. Yeah, I guess we could be the Oakland A's who are holy Toledo the Oakland A's are 19 and 55, 27 games behind the 
Texas yes. Rangers. So things can always be worse, yeah. right? And then you look at the Royals in the Central. They're 19 and 53, and they're only 16 and a half games behind <laughs> the first place Twins. The first place Twins, by the way, Tim, one game under 500. That's amazing. That's amazing. There's a lot of there's a lot of parity in oh, yeah. some of these in some of these divisions. Uh, you know, I know that. Um, Let's see how they're doing here this year. I'm looking for, uh, ba, ba, ba. yeah, there they are. So uh, big series, I know. A lot of people are excited about the Yankees coming to town, not this weekend, but for basically the weekend that leads into the 4th of July yes, holiday. That'll be fun. And uh, the Yankees, always a decent team. But this year, uh, even though they have a winning record, they're 10 games behind the the, the Tampa Bay. What are they now? The, the Lightning? Rays. Just the Rays. The Rays. Mm-hmm. The Rays. Can't keep track of these names. The Tampa Bay Rays, fifty-one and twenty-four. Wow. Yeah. Well, who says starting the season the thirteen and zero does not have a lot of meaning because it's early? Well, they that start and, and again they've continued to play well since that thirteen and zero start, but uh, they have been in first place since day one. And uh, you know Baltimore. I mean, look at Baltimore. They're seventeen games over five hundred. They're playing great ball. Any other year, they may be challenging for first in that league. But the start that Tampa Bay had has really propelled them to a five-game lead in that American League Central division. Yeah, things are really bizarre this year. The divisions are really wonky. Uh, some team, some divisions are crushing it, and the leaders are running away with it. Then you've got the AL Central, where Minnesota is leading the division with a losing record. Yes. And the Dodgers are in third place in the National League West. How often does that happen? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, with a winning record there, too. It's still four and a half games behind Arizona, who's also having a great season. So, man, oh, it's, yeah. it, it's a lot of feast or famine in the, uh, in major league, in major, in the major league, uh, baseball world this year. So interesting stuff indeed. All right. Cash, you doing good today? Everything all right? Everything is fantastic. Peachy Keen. Feeling, feeling okay today? I'm making for the most it. Part. Yeah. For the- Good. You gonna have any coffee today, or what? What kind of what? What are we? What are we feeling? Coffee seems like a great idea today. You sure? I like. Okay. <laughs> I like how asking. you need to ask. I'm just checking. Sometimes <laughs> I, I you. Know. Sometimes you just know me too well, and it's kind of. I didn't of know freaky. if it was a. I didn't know if it was gonna be a coffee day or a chocolate milk day. You know. Why do you try to embarrass me live on air? I'm just trying to figure out how you're feeling today. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of trying to feel what kind of, what kind of morning it's going to be, so if, I can be prepared. If somebody you know? else, see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink coffee today, but if, but somebody else needs to make it because I don't feel like making it. Ah, there's always this good. battle between all of us morning people who drink coffee mm-hmm. in the station, who's going to actually go make it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. nose goes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's kind of like who who's going to do it first, right? Who's going to make the first move to the coffee station? That is true. Morning mm, radio hosts have to have some sort of caffeine. Don Luzader does not drink coffee, but he does have no. a soda every morning. I do. At an ungodly gotcha. hour. Does uh, Kevin Howard uh, Kevin ever make uh, coffee? He sometimes does. Earl. Okay. Earl, Earl will make yeah. coffee most oh, of all. Okay. He's the person. Sometimes I'll make it if I get here early enough. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a battle. Oh, and then we got to talk about this missing submarine. Oh my goodness! Yes, yeah. All right, we'll talk about we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. Uh, This weird submersible looking thing that they may have lost. Uh, We'll have to see if we can find it or not this morning. All right, we got to get to our national anthem. Cass, who do we have today? We have Jennifer Hudson. 
Jennifer Hudson, great way to kick off a Tuesday. Let's begin today as we begin every day here in the land of the free because of the brave at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO with our national anthem. and AM 560 KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. China and Cuba are reportedly in advanced talks to develop a joint military training facility off the island nation's northern coast. The Wall Street Journal reports highly classified U.S. intelligence suggests the negotiations could mean Chinese troops would be stationed just 100 miles off Florida's coast. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Chinese leader Xi Jinping Monday in an effort to tamper down tensions between the U.S. and China. Blinken did not secure any agreement for the U.S. and Beijing to resume military-to-military communications. According to the State Department, Blinken did raise concerns about Chinese intelligence activities in Cuba with President Xi. In Washington, Shell Angel, Fox News. Yeah, there you go. God save the queen, man. Yeah, that's Joe Biden's response to the communist Chinese wanting to become the world's only militarized, nuclearized superpower, uh, throwing up basically a base uh, on our front steps. Yeah. What is Joe Biden doing about it? Bowing, bowing, nodding, bowing giving, not doing anything to push back on this. It's very dangerous. 
Anthony Blinken's trip to Beijing was an epic disaster. And we'll talk about that with Paul Kurtman at 635. In the meantime, I do want to mention the fact that this uh, submersible vehicle. <clears throat> okay, so I knew nothing. I didn't know this story existed until about, I don't know, maybe 24 hours ago. So apparently there's these large submersible vehicles. They're kind of like mini submarines that take tourists to go see the wreckage of the Titanic. Whew, the whole thing just sounds dangerous, doesn't it? So one of the companies that does this, um, Ocean Gate, I think is the name of it. So here's the headline, Missing Ocean Gate Titanic Tourist Submarine Search is Underway. This vehicle disappeared uh, from con radio contact on Sunday, and they haven't found it yet. I'll tell you more about that in Tim's Top 3 and more when we come back. Got a very busy Titanic show indeed. We'll have Tim's Top 3, the AccuWeather Update, and former Missouri State Representative Paul Kurtman at 93. Growing up, Heather Howe was no stranger to death. Her father, Bruce, owned Gorman Char Funeral Home. She still remembers the frequent calls that took her dad away. My mom would say that family's lost someone they love. Right now, they need your dad more than we do. In that instance, those people became our family. Bruce has long since passed the baton to Heather and her husband, Clint. Our family business has always been about helping families celebrate a Americans. Someone do something about it. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. It's time for Team's Top 3. Ha-ha! Well, we're all waiting on Godot. Well, not really. We're waiting on, that's the old uh, French novel, Waiting on Godot. We're waiting on people to announce for statewide office. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there kind of with their toes in the water here in the state of Missouri, but nobody's quite jumped into the pond. Here's the scorecard as it stands right now. For governor, we do have three announced candidates. We have Missouri Secretary of State Jay Ashcroft. We have Missouri State Senator Bill Igel, And we have Missouri's Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe. Those are the three announced candidates. I think there could end up being more, but time will tell. Lieutenant Governor, only one person has basically stated he's running for office. And it was kind of a soft open. But that would be Missouri, speakers of, Missouri Speaker of the House, the current Speaker of the House, Dean Plocker. I don't know that he's had an official huge rollout, but... There was kind of a soft announcement back during session, but nobody else has jumped in the fray there. For Missouri Secretary of State, we have two announced candidates, Green County Clerk Shane Schuller from right here in Springfield and Missouri State Senator Denny Hoskins up in the Warrensburg area. For Auditor, that's not next year. Scott Fitzpatrick may or may not have an opponent a couple years down the line. Kind of doubt it. Uh, for Treasurer, we've got Vivek Malik. And that's about it right now. He's the only one who said he's in he's in the office. He's saying he's running for re-election. And for Attorney General, Andrew Bailey, the current Attorney General, against Will Scharf, uh, former federal prosecutor. So <clears throat> that's kind of where things stand. Waiting to see if Senator Holly Thompson Rader announces for any office. Waiting on uh, Cody Smith, the House Budget Chairman from right here in Carthage, Missouri, to see if he announces for anything. They thought that Holly may be looking at Lieutenant Governor. We thought that uh, Cody may be looking at treasure, but no announcements yet. So time will tell. How about we do number two? The search for a missing Titanic exploration vehicle. The whole thing just sounds dangerous, doesn't it? This big submersible submarine-esque looking thing, but not really a sub. Kind of just this giant, I don't know, giant dumpster in the ground. 
giant. This thing looks. This thing looks like. <coughs> this thing looks like a gigantic propane tank. Is what it looks like. I don't know that I would get in this thing and go submersing anywhere. I'd feel much more comfortable in an actual submarine. Uh, it is missing. I got all the details on that. I'll tell you about that in just a second. And how about we do number three? Secretary Blinken tells China in a change from foreign policy of the United States of America for the last, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 years. We don't support Taiwan independence. Look, we're supposed to have this ambiguous kind of one China-esque thing. We really don't talk much about it on purpose. We don't go over there and specifically say on Chinese soil, we don't support Taiwan independence. Taiwan's probably like, what? <laughs> Hello? Uh, we're over here. We're about to get nuked. Maybe. Help? Yeah. Good job, Blinken. What an idiot. Went over there to Cowtown and got nothing for it. And that's Tim's Top 3, Part 1, for a Tuesday, June 20th, 2021, 6, 10 a.m., in the heartland. I owe silver away. Don't ever do that again. Sorry. So, <clears throat> back to this missing submersible. Uh, let me kind of start kind of at the beginning. Okay, here we go. Sorry. Um, here's a statement from, okay, here we go. The five-person five tourist submersible, and like, I'm serious, this thing looks like a gigantic propane tank with like, it looks like it's on like a big rack. Like, is this thing maneuverable? I guess it's maneuverable. It just looks odd. I know things that are in the ocean generally look odd, diving bells, things like that. Uh, so the five-person tourist submersible that's at the center of an ongoing search and rescue effort after being reported missing on Sunday, it's now Tuesday, while on an exploration trip to the wreck of the Titanic, is capable of diving to depths more than two miles deep and is operated by a video game-style controller. Hmm. Ocean Gate Expedition's submersible, known as Titan, lost contact on Sunday morning, about an hour and 45 minutes after it departed from its launch ship, the Canadian research vessel Polar Prince, according to the Coast Guard. The U.S. and Canadian Coast Guards are participating in the search and rescue effort and are being aided by other vessels in the area of the Titanic wreck located about, get this, just to give you a sense of how in the middle of nowhere this is, 370 miles south by southeast of St. John's, Newfoundland, 900 miles east of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Yeah, with in so, water with depth of about 13,000 feet, mind you. And it only has 96 hours of oxygen. So I'm trying to do the math from Sunday to... It, they have a couple days left. None of this sounds good, does it? No. And when they say... I mean, when they're trying to, when they're trying to have you visualize where this is, and they're telling you, well, you know, it's 370 miles south by south. <laughs> that's, that's the middle yeah. of nowhere. That's the closest landmass. So let's see. Springfield Springfield to St. Louis is what? That's well St. Louis to Kansas City is what? Is that 200 miles St. Louis to Kansas City? I think that's right. That I think it's it. around 200 miles. So you're talking nearly twice the distance? Yeah, Kansas City, St. Louis to Kansas City is about 225 miles. So not quite twice the distance from St. Louis to Kansas City. Okay. 
that's pretty terrifying that uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's where the Titanic sunk, you know, um, <clears throat> Eureka to Springfield is a hundred and is 170 miles. So about, yes, perfect. Uh, so <clears throat> this is interesting. A U.S. congressman who served as a nuclear submarine officer in the U.S. Navy is calling for the force to take action in the search for the missing submersible. Um, Congressman Brandon Williams, Republican from New York, I have 500 days at sea on a submarine, so my heart really goes out to the missing crewmen and their families. The U.S. Navy needs to step up and do everything possible to help locate that submarine as quickly as possible. Congressman Brandon Williams told Fox News, yeah, get a freaking sub out there. Get a big, badass nuclear submarine out there and find this thing because the clock is ticking horribly at this point in time. Here's some of the people that are on board. <clears throat> so the Engro Corporation, which operates this, identified two of the passengers, and there's thoughts about who the others were. Um, Mr. Shazada Dawood, vice chairman of Engro Corporation Limited, along with his son, Suleiman, uh, embarked on a journey to visit the remnants of the Titanic in the Atlantic Ocean. So this dad and his son are on there. Oh, boy. If they survive, uh, there'll be a movie about this. The, oh, you bet. There's also a uh, British billionaire who's believed to be on there as mm -hmm. well, Hamish Harding. That's true. And they also feel, they also fear that Paul Henry Nargalet is aboard. French mariner Paul Henry Nargalet, I think that's how you might say it. I need my wife to pronounce this. Considered one of the leading experts on the Titanic, is feared among five oh, people. Wow. So we've got, so we've identified four of them who went missing on a tourist submersible visiting the wreckage. Nargalay uh, was named in a Facebook post by his fellow Voyager, as Don said, Hamish Harding, yeah. a, U a UK billionaire and aviator. As of Monday afternoon, uh, they believe that they're somewhere between 70 to those full 96 hours of oxygen available. And also, I heard this morning that. Uh, that the best thing that people can do is to sleep as much as possible, which who could sleep in a situation like that, right? But to sleep as much as possible so you will uh, not uh, burn as much oxygen. That's terrifying. So here's my thought. Does this thing not have like a black box on board where it would ping its location? And couldn't they just get radar... Uh, or apparently, no, apparently everything was controlled by the ship that was, I guess there was a ship with it, and then they lost contact with it or something. So everything was controlled by the ship. But shouldn't this submersible have a device on board to broadcast its yeah, location, it is should, what I'm saying. But apparently it Since doesn't. it's going to go miles beneath the sea. That's yeah. its purpose, right? Apparently this uh, was not a well-thought-out plan. And the Atlantic in this area is extremely deep, right? That's why there haven't been that many voyages down to the Titanic, and they mainly usually send drones down there, right? They mainly usually send uh, robotic craft down and not people for very good reason because of where the Titanic is in the middle of the freaking Atlantic after it hit the iceberg. Let's remember what this is. This is quite to the north, uh, quite chilly waters, probably even in July. Whew! 
my goodness, uh, thoughts and prayers indeed is about all we can do and hope that they find these folks. We'll keep you updated on that. i got to get to the rest of Tim's top three that I discussed, but we got to take a break for now. So we'll unpack all of that later in the program. Well, some of it with Paul Kurtman. We're going to talk Beijing and Blinken at 635. In the meantime, though, we're going to take a break for Don Luzader's traffic update. And then when we come back, we'll speak with Jeff from AccuWeather about the Tuesday forecast and the rest of the week ahead. All of that straight ahead at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Still pretty light traffic volume out there, but it is certainly picking up for uh, drive into work this morning. Also want to remind you the National Avenue remains closed at Bonaire Drive north of Norton Road in Springfield. Crews continue to repair the roadway and damaged stormwater culvert bridge there. Motorists advised to follow the posted detour route. Southbound traffic on National will detour via Camarine. Analysis opinion. This is a crisis. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. No rain anywhere around, it seems like, this week. It is certainly sunny, and it's certainly getting hotter as we approach the first official day of summer tomorrow. Jeff from AccuWeather is back. Jeff, we missed you yesterday. Uh, Thanks to Bill for subbing in, and glad to have you back to talk about the weather for today. Uh, Happy to be back. How are you guys doing? Excellent. I understand that uh, we are getting close to the official beginning of summer. The official, yes. Uh, while the meteorological has begun as of June 1st, the uh, equi- or equinox, <laughs> the uh, solstice happens uh, tomorrow. Very good. And uh, today, I guess it's going to be another uh, nice sunny day with uh, those temperatures getting up there. Yeah, picturesque, and actually, temperatures are pretty much right where they should be for this time of year. Uh, 86 is our average high, so we're at, you know, pretty much really close to it, just a couple degrees higher, and it is going to be a good day today. We're going to be hitting, excuse me, 88 with uh, mostly sunny sky, and then it'll be clear overnight down to 64. Another good day tomorrow and Thursday, even though Thursday has a brief pop-up shower that uh, will be passing by in the late afternoon. It's just a brief little shower that's not even going to give a whole lot in terms of rain. Um, But it's going to be really nice, 86 to 85 for highs. And how are we uh, looking with the humidity, Jeff, going over the next few days here? Humidity is going to be still pretty pleasant, if you can believe it. Uh, We don't have too bad of real field temperatures. I'll take a look at those for you here for the next couple of days. Uh, Dew points are going to stay in the low to mid-60s, so not too bad. Uh, Today's AccuWeather real field will reach around 92 or so at the peak heating, kind of similar for tomorrow as well. And then, uh, actually, temperatures will be in the 80s or so for our real fields on Thursday. Yeah. Boy, that's not bad at all. Uh, no. Especially when you consider what we were dealing with a year ago at this time in June with those temps up around 100 degrees and high humidity. As we head into the uh, weekend, Jeff, is it going to be more of the same? And or, and or do we have any rain chances at all? Very little. Uh, like I said, for Thursday, that's only going to bring a couple hundredths of an inch by the time it's actually all said and done. 
we are tracking, though, a storm system that's going to be coming through on Saturday, and this could bring a little bit more measurable rain right around a quarter to possibly a half an inch, mainly at night, and then it tapers off. The strongest storms are going to be more centralized over northern Missouri into uh, Iowa as opposed to uh, southwest, but that being said, there could be a you know hail or even some brief damaging winds and even a downpour uh, with some of these, so that's something we're going to keep an eye on, but we're only calling for just strong thunderstorms, not severe. Okay, very good, and we'll continue to monitor that, I guess, as we get closer. And right. uh, how much, how far into the 90s might we get uh, this weekend? Not bad. Uh, low 90s, as a matter okay. of fact. Okay. So 92, 91 are the official highs for now, Saturday and Sunday, with partly sunny skies. And again, uh, the thunderstorm potential is at night on Saturday, and then it tapers off Sunday. Uh, looking beyond into the next work week, as we go into Monday, we're tracking quite a big uh, complex of thunderstorms that are going to push through central and eastern areas for now. At least that's one scenario. The other one has it uh, directly over the uh, western part of the state. So a little variable, but uh, at least both are in somewhat agreement that there is going to be some kind of thunderstorms. And again, how strong? Uh, looks like it's on a cool front type of a system. So anytime you get cool air that's interacting with, you know, hot and humid air, uh, we have that potential. So I'll be keeping an eye on that as well. And that'll be around the start of next week, you said, right? Correct. Okay, very good. Well, Jeff, all in all, not a bad uh, summertime forecast. Uh, we're continuing to keep those humidity levels down while we enjoy the sunshine. I think you can't beat that. So thanks for the forecast. Hey, no problem. The only thing I would hope to get is a little bit of rain. As, as I took yeah. a look at the uh, drought monitor in central Missouri, it's actually an extreme drought. Oh, wow. Uh, down in southwest areas and even the southern half, I would say, uh, it's only a level one, which is abnormally dry. And there's even pockets where uh, there is no drought. But uh, that's something we're going to you know, possibly see go up because of the dry weather we have this week. Um, if Saturday night and into Monday do, does end up bringing a good amount, then we could, you know, talk about the drought not increasing. Okay. Well, we'll keep a close watch on it nonetheless. Jeff from AccuWeather, thank you so much. Hey, no problem. Take care, Don. Hey, you guys have a wonderful day over at AccuWeather, and we appreciate all the work you do. Tim, uh, all in all, that's a pretty darn good forecast for this time of the year. Not not too bad. We're going to – one thing we need to keep an eye on, I don't know that it's going to affect us at all here, but it'll affect parts of the eastern U.S. possibly. Don, there's a tropical storm yes, out in the Atlantic that. that's I'm starting to that. build a little bit. Uh, it's nothing to – it's way, way out in the Atlantic, uh, southern Atlantic, and so we'll just have to keep an eye on that and see if it strengthens at all and whether or not it's going to go anywhere near the East Coast or not. So It is yeah. Brett, B-R-E-T. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which that means they're they're up to the Bs, so there was an A somewhere, I guess, that, that popped up and then went away. We are in hurricane season, although it's a little early. Um, I'm hoping we were supposed to not have any hurricanes in the Atlantic. Remember, because we talked to Jeff a few weeks ago about the fact that we're in a um, El Nino pattern or La Nina. I, I can't always remember. get them mixed up, and I claim to know a thing or two about weather, but I always get El Nina, and oh, I still I get them mixed up. There's a weather pattern, and it's supposed to be pushing everything from the west to the east out in the Pacific. And so because of that, that that strong weather pattern pushing everything west-east is supposed to push against uh, the Atlantic being able to churn up any hurricanes, right? So basically think of it as a giant, a giant fan blowing from the Pacific all the way across the U.S. through the Atlantic. 
So it's supposed to be able to prevent any any trade winds from blowing back towards the west, right? It's supposed to it's the Pacific is supposed to be a lot more volatile this hurricane season. The Atlantic is supposed to be a lot calmer. Now, there's always going to be exceptions when you're talking weather and things can always pop up just like this tropical storm Brett has. Right now Brett is way 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 out, you know, basically in the as they call it the Sargasso Sea uh in the southern Atlantic. Uh, it's, it's taking aim towards like Cuba, the Dominican Republic, Haiti, kind of that area, but it's still so far out that we'll just, we're going to have to see what happens over the next few days. You know, what I'm thinking of Don is whether or not it will affect any peop anybody's, uh, travel plans over right. the next week or so to like Florida, you know? So, so. apparently La Nina is worse than El Nino. The La Ninas okay. often are more damaging and expensive than their more famous flip side, El Nino. So there you have it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the second tropical storm of the season, Brett, is expected to strengthen into a hurricane in the Caribbean later this week. But they don't say if it's going to amount to much. It's, 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 just, they, it's just really too early to tell. Uh, right now, it has maximum sustained winds of 40 miles an hour. It's moving west at 21 miles per hour so it's moving pretty briskly maybe it'll just kind of wear itself out we can only we can only hope uh as of 5 a.m eastern today so just a, an hour or two ago brett continued to have maximum sustained winds of 40 miles per hour its westward movement had slowed to 17 miles an hour we don't want it to slow we want it to like be done with things right okay right now it's looking like it's taking aim towards the uh, Central American Peninsula there. So we may not have anything to worry about here in the U.S., but we'll keep an eye on it. All right, 6.30 here in the Heartland. Don Luzader and, well, Don Luzader's got the local news you need to know next, and then he and Cass and I will be back after that to speak to Paul Kurtman about Anthony Blinken's failed trip to Beijing, as I'm calling it. We'll see if uh, we'll see if Paul Kurtman agrees or disagrees with me on that when we speak with him next after Don delivers local news you need to know at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO News. KWTO News time is 6.30 in Springfield this morning. We have, uh, well, we have a warm start to the day already. We're at, in the 60s. We're at 65 degrees. We're looking for sunny skies today and a high of 89 this afternoon. Springfield's Convoy of Hope is sending supplies to communities in Texas and Florida. Convoy's Vice President of Public Engagement, Ethan Forehead, says they have sent food, water, tarps, and cleaning supplies to help people in these communities. He says they have disaster teams on standby in case they need to respond with more supplies. Missouri Department of Agriculture is asking farmers who sold cattle at a Sarcoxy sale barn to file a claim. Agricultural officials say there's a concern that Schubert Livestock Sales LLC in Sarcoxy has allegedly not paid farmers who sold their livestock at their auction facility. Producers who have not been paid for their livestock have 90 days from the sale date to file a claim against the bond. This includes receiving non-sufficient funds checks. We have a link to the Missouri Department of Agriculture website where you can file that claim at 933kwto.com. And the body of a missing swimmer has been found at Lake of the Ozarks. The highway patrols says the body of 30-year-old Kendall Henderson of Chicago was recovered Monday morning. Criminal traffickers and violent criminals. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. But an aspect of that that really is important is military to military. We don't have an agreement on that yet. 
it's something we're going to keep working. I made very clear to our Chinese counterparts the importance that we attach uh, to that, uh, something that is also profoundly in their interest because, again, we both agree that we want to, uh, at the very least, make sure that we don't inadvertently have a conflict because of miscommunication, because of uh, misunderstanding. So Xi Jinping didn't say absolutely not. It was no, this is a work. Not a commitment. This is a work in progress. We're working on it. Will the defense chiefs at least? Well, again, to be we've made clear that we think that's important, more than important, uh, imperative. Uh, I think the Chinese understand very well uh, because I made very clear where we're coming from on this, and we'll keep working it. Well, even CNN, even CNN, who you know bows at the altar of all things Joe Biden and DC Democrat, didn't have a real positive headline. I mean, they spun it as best as they could, but even they say, despite Blinken's visit, China and the U.S. still have dangerous gulf between them. Maybe a little honesty coming out of the Communist News Network about communist china let's talk to our next guest about that and lots more we are looking at a grand slam home run ladies and gents this is the moment you're state representative paul kurtman i never ask my clients to judge me on my winners i ask them to judge me on my losers because i have so few one of the biggest and best things about 2022 is so far we've all realized that anthony fauci is not in fact the science As he does every Tuesday morning, former Missouri State Representative, U.S. Marine Corps retired Paul Kurtman joins us once again. He's at Paul Kurtman on Twitter. You can also check out all of the things that Paul does in the financial industry at prkurtman.com. Paul, good morning to you. Welcome back to KWTO. Good morning, Tim. Glad to be back. So, uh, Paul, uh, even CNN noted the important symbolism that occurred throughout the Blinken um, Xi meeting in Beijing, noting in their article here talking about how, despite the fact that Blinken went as you know the top U.S. emissary over to China, a dangerous gulf remains between these two superpowers. And they point out that, um, let's see here, uh, where is it? Uh, bu- 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 oh, positioned at the head of a table. Where, where the rest of the two delegations, including Blinken, sat facing each other on either side. Paul, when you look at the photographs of this, a picture says a thousand words, doesn't it, Paul? Xi is at the head of the table, and nobody is anywhere near him showing the air of superiority that China wanted to broadcast to the U.S. and the rest of the world. And, Paul, I think China got the upper hand on Blinken throughout this entire visit, didn't they? Or am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong at all, Tim. I think you're absolutely right. Um, there's a couple things that you can deduce from this meeting. The first is uh, that uh, we allowed to have, you know, Lincoln had this meeting all on the terms of China. Uh, no doubt the U.S. wanted this meeting, but it was all done um, the way exactly how China wanted to have it done. And probably we would have had a little bit more leverage, leverage had we been showing some strength over the last couple of years, uh, had we not let a Chinese spy balloon fly all the way across the whole continental U.S. before we shot it down, had we been uh, signaling a show of strength maybe over around Taiwan or in the China Sea, had we been doing some of that, probably Xi Jinping would have said, you know what, the Americans are being serious here. Let's actually get together. One of the things that I've observed 
just for my time in the military and just from observing foreign policy is the more serious the situation is, the more serious the actors take the situation, usually the closer they come together when they're trying to work it out. I mean, you, this goes all the way back to Nikita Khrushchev and JFK, right? You see this happening with um, uh, Donald Trump and uh, the leader of South Korea. They shook hands and they stood side by side as they kind of hopped back and forth across the North Korean-South Korean border together. They were trying to show people that they were really making an effort to come together. But when you see this play out the way it did with Xi Jinping, uh, your words, air of superiority, that rings loud and true. A picture is worth a thousand words, and that's exactly what every word of that picture says. China has superiority here, and they're totally taking advantage of the U.S., and they want us to know. And the thing is, is we know, we know that, uh, that they have the upper hand here, and they know that we know that they have the upper hand, and that's what's really dangerous. And Paul, as you pointed out previously, this goes all the way back to the uh, to the first year of Biden's presidency. It goes back to uh, how we how we executed, or in many many would argue, failed to execute a, a a proper evacuation out of Afghanistan and the things that we did there. Right, Paul, we we left behind a military air base that we could have kept. Uh, we got thirteen servicemen and women killed in the process. And it looked like a helter-skelter case of, of absolute mayhem. And most importantly, Paul, the U.S. left a region of the world. And, you know, just like the Soviets had to leave it, just like everybody's had to leave Afghanistan. But China saw the way we did that. And so it's, it's the entirety of Joe Biden's regime with international foreign policy, right, Paul? There, has, there hasn't been a lot of successful, aggressive moves, has there been? There hasn't. And... Uh, you know, you bring up the Afghanistan withdrawal. Um, once we left, China went right in. And so there's a lot of things that we have done in Afghanistan. We've built a lot of infrastructure. We've built up airports. And now China is in there. Uh, they have that relationship with the Taliban. Uh, China has also been building this Silk Road, this economic development uh strategic relations from China all the way to the Middle East. They most recently just uh, brokered peace between Saudi Arabia and Iran. So we have left. We have essentially left the world stage. China is filling that void very efficiently and very quickly. And what we really need to be on the lookout for next, I would say, is what China does with our monetary policy because they're not done. Mm -hmm. They're not just trying to they're not just trying to push us out of the way so that way they can have a seat at the table and help broker peace between uh, countries in the Middle East. China wants to absolutely rule the world. They want to dominate everything. They have that ambition, and they are playing and toying uh, with different forms of currency. They've been doing this now for over 15 years that I'm aware of. They've been talking with countries like India and Russia. They would like to see the U.S. dollar unpegged from the world reserve currency, and my guess is that they are quickly... Uh, quickly attaining superiority where economics and monetary policy for the world are concerned also. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Paul, one of the things that Blinken did that's gotten the most headlines was he seemed to run afoul of our official policy as to Taiwan, right, Paul? On, on one hand, the U.S. kind of says to China, yeah, 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 we support the one China thing, sure, 
But kind of with a wink and a nod to Taiwan, we say, if you ever need us, we'll come calling. You're not supposed it, it, it all in all, Paul, it's called like a it, it's strategic ambiguity, right? I think is what they call it, strategic ambiguity as to China. Mm-hmm. So you're not supposed to come out and make any like black and white statements like Blinken did when he said, oh, no, 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 we don't support Taiwan independence. We're not supposed to say direct statements like that, are we, Paul? And Blinken went ahead and made a huge concession by saying that I would imagine the Taiwanese are a little nervous this morning reading all of those reports. Yeah, because if you don't support Taiwan independence, then the only other alternative to that is you support China coming in and annexing them to uh, unify China according to the Chinese idea of unification, which means that Taiwan belongs to China. And so for him to come right out and say those words to be that clear, I mean, I know on the flip side of that, he said we remain opposed to any unilateral changes uh, to be made by either side. But the thing is, is he's still crossed the line. Now, I mean, it's one thing to say to China, uh, we support the one China policy, but it's just, we've just been so vague about it for so long, and that's been very strategic. They're beginning to clarify their language in ways where we lose our strategic leverage. And that's mm-hmm. what's bad. That's mm-hmm. what's dangerous. And if they they just really need to hold their tongue captive here and just be more careful, exercise more discretion. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Paul, thanks so much for all the time, the insight and the analysis this morning. As I said, uh, folks, you can follow Paul at Paul Kurtman on Twitter, prkurtman.com. Thanks so much, Paul. Look forward to speaking with you again next week. Always appreciate you uh, waking, us, waking up early with us and getting us started. Sounds good. Thanks, Tim. Thank you so much. Paul Kurtman there, U.S. Marine Corps retired Paul Kurtman, who has traveled the globe and also served ably right here on the home front with me in the Missouri State House of Representatives. All right, when we come back, we can take your phone calls if you'd like to comment on Blinken's visit to Beijing or anything else on the home front. Rapid discuss that with you as well, get you up to date on all of the news of the day. When we return, happy to take your phone calls at 417-866-0933, 417-866-0933. Even CNN is noting that Joe Biden is not connecting with all of us folks here at home as Trump's numbers continue to surge over Biden's in various national polls. Got all that next here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Getting reports of a non-injury crash at the intersection of Glenstone and Seminole in Springfield. So watch out for a possible slowdown from that. So don't have any specific lane information yet. Other than that, looking pretty good. Some Americans. Someone do something about it. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Sweet as candy, its taste is on my mind. In a meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping, Secretary of State Antony Blinken's overarching message was responsible competition. So that the relationship does not veer into conflict 
the Secretary stressed that the United States would continue to use diplomacy to raise areas of concern as well as areas of potential cooperation. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre told reporters on Air Force One President Biden still intends to meet with Xi down the road. Blinken had also hoped to reestablish military-to-military contacts between the U.S. and China as a way to prevent miscalculations, though that breakthrough was not announced. Jared Halpern, Fox News. Yeah, uh, Blinken's visit, um, you know, the Washington, you know, the CNN, CNN has uh, one take on the, on this and says, well, you know, there's still a pretty big gulf here and all that. But uh, his visit to China is risking Xi's appetite for escalation. Not sure what you all think about that. Hey, we were talking, uh, Cass and I are in the break about uh, 2024. Cass, um, it's interesting, isn't it, that we don't have candidates for some of these offices, right? I mean, Lieutenant Governor, which I know people don't really get excited about some of these lower level offices, but you would think that, you know, with this generational shift, people would, there'd be a lot of people jumping in the boat. And right now you got, I guess, speak, D- Dean Plocker, the Speaker of the House, for all intents and purposes, has indicated he's running for Lieutenant Governor, but nobody else has announced, you know? There's a lot of rumors out there. Do you remember the rumor that was going out for a while that um, Senator Bill Eigel, who's running for governor, was going to end up down balloting down to lieutenant governor. But then that's not happened yet, which Mm-mm. I think a lot of us were surprised about. And then, of course, you have like Holly Rader that you yeah. talked about earlier. But yeah, nobody's announced announced yet. But it is it is it still early? I don't know. Yeah. Sort of, but not yeah. really. You know what I mean? I mean, People need to think about this. We're talking about all the Republicans, right? So that election is next August, and it's late June now. I wouldn't think of the election as being like sometime in August. I would think of it as like the first of August, right? Because it's usually in the first week of August. So we're about 13 months away, and to run statewide in Missouri, you have to get to a lot of counties, and you have to raise a lot of money. And when you start breaking it down by quarter, you realize that one year out is really not too early. And look, to prove my point, look at all the gubernatorial candidates. As you mentioned, Bill Igel, Mike Kehoe, Jay Ashcroft, they've all announced they're all raising hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars at this point. And they're all over the state, right? They're always asking to be on the airwaves here. You see them popping up at events here and there. So those three statewide candidates are totally off to the races. The other races, well, I would say the AG's race is pretty um, spirited, right? It's it's very spirited. Sitting sitting Attorney General, um, the incumbent because of the appointment by Mike Parson, Andrew Bailey, definitely taking advantage of all the earned media he gets from being Attorney General, as his previous successors have done. Eric Schmidt did a great job of doing that. So did Josh Hawley. Look where they ended up, the U.S. Senate. Uh, And Will Scharf. Will Scharf is raising tons of money, crisscrossing the state and getting some earned media of his own, courtesy of the Trump team picking up his little Twitter op-ed about uh, the indictment against Trump. So governor and attorney general seem to be like off to the races. The other races aren't even set yet, really. Well, there's also Secretary of State that has two of your good friends running against each other, mm-hmm. which can't be easy mm-hmm. to watch. 
I would say that that race is in like medium drive. So I would say the governor's race is in hyperdrive, right? Like they're, they've got the pedal to the metal there. Those three gentlemen are raising money. Trust me. I just knowing what some of them are doing and hearing them and interviewing them. I have a feeling that the three of them are on the phones, going to events, working the race every single day. I feel the same way with the attorney general's race. I think the secretary of state's race, I think they're getting started. I think they're, they're past first gear. They're into second, maybe third gear. Uh, and they're, they're doing it as well. You, you saw, you saw both Shane and Denny, Shane Scholler and Denny Hoskins. You saw them at a lot of the Lincoln days in the spring. Some of the Lincoln days continue. Uh, there's a couple of counties that like to have their Lincoln days in the summertime. And so they'll be at those. Uh, so I would say those three races, there are, there's activity in all three of them. Lieutenant governor. Well, Dean Plocker hasn't had to do much yet because so far he's the only fella who's maybe announced. So we're waiting to see if Senator Holly Rader or anybody else jumps into that race. And then you have the, um, the treasurer's race, right? And the treasurer's race again, Vivek Malik is the only fella who is announced. He has said he is running for election. He was the other appointment of, of, of Mike Parsons. So I'd say three races. You've got activity in two of them. You've got significant activity. And in the other two races, you don't have much activity at all other than I will say this about Malik, Treasurer Malik. He's raising a lot of money. He's raising a lot of money. And so if Cody Smith, who is the House Budget Chairman, is going to jump into that race, I think he could easily catch up because the House Budget Chairman has the ability to raise a lot of money. So it's just interesting seeing kind of the different takes and uh, it will be interesting to see if um, lieutenant governor or treasurer actually picks up an opponent or not. Then there's the Democrats, right? We haven't talked about them hardly at all. Honestly, unless something really extraordinary happens, I think all the Democrats are largely going to be ballot fillers. I think they're all running for something else. Well, here's the running rumor. <clears throat> Crystal Quaid um, she's down here in Springfield. They all think, well, I say they all this hypothetical people think that she's going to run for statewide office to pick up a bunch of funding, knowing she's not going to win, but not spend very much of it. And, and like basically stockpile all of this money from running for statewide office to then run for state Senate in the next for basically Lincoln Huff's seat when it's open. So they're thinking that she might jump in and say, Hey, I'm running for statewide office just to stockpile a big war chest to, to win that Lincoln Huff seat. So that, mm -hmm. that could be an interesting announcement that could be coming up pretty soon. Yeah. And so, like I said, I think they're all, I, I look, unless something really bizarre happens, Crystal Quaid's not going to be governor. None of these other Democrats are going to be statewide office holders either. But like you just pointed out, they're likely doing it to increase their profile, raise some money, and then run for another office, a lower level office that they can win because they would be in a quote, bluer electorate, right? Like a state Senate seat or something of that, or trying to get, you know, maybe taken to Washington, D.C., if Joe Biden happens to win re-election, God help us, right? Like they're all making a play for the national scene or for somebody outside of Missouri to, oh, look at me, pay attention to me. I'm a really cool leftist progressive lunatic uh, picked up by a think tank, something like that, right? So I, I look, of course they want to win, but unless they're just completely delusional, they should know that in 
ever-increasing redder Missouri, the likelihood of that is nil to none. Now, that's only if the Republican candidates, the nominees, don't screw things up, as we are often wont to do. There you go. I think that was a pretty fair and equal and, and balanced analysis. I really do. All right, let's get to a break here. When we come back, Tim's top three, part two. Chris Arps of Newsmax STL and of Newsmax and News Talk STL and lots more. Just combine those two. 93.3. And you've got something to say. Be heard loud and clear. If they'll just do what they were voted in to do. This party needs to get a backbone. They need to get some spine. Join the conversation. The Democrats and the Republicans can give us all the lip service they want, but what they need to do is take action today. News, analysis, and opinion. You know, you have to take a stand sometimes. Zader and producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. It's time for Team's Top 3. Ha-ha, Tiny Timmy! Well, as we, uh, Cass and I were talking about in the last segment, we're all waiting to see what develops in 2024 here in 2023. Barely 13 months until the August primary, folks. That's when most of those races are going to be decided here in the state of Missouri. You know what? We'll talk to Chris Harps about that and lots more. What else is going to be on the ballot? They may be trying to put rigged choice voting, a.k.a. ranked choice voting, or whatever else they're calling it, they may be trying, they as in the left, as in out-of-state progressive left of inter- leftist interest, may be trying to put that on the ballot as well. We'll talk to Chris Harps about all that and more at 7.15, coming up just right around the bend. How about we do number two? <clears throat> Records from a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information request, reveal that Treasury Secretary Yellen is trying to control the press. Is that really a news flash? Everybody kind of knows that these authoritarians... In the White House, they definitely want to determine, even with a fawning media, they definitely want to determine what the media reports about them. So Janet Yellen trying to control the media truly indeedy. Just another example of the authoritarians that are the lunatic left that have completely hijacked today's Democratic Party. And number two. Four. Three. Three. Go. Two. <laughs> go. Donald Trump reveals what he told Russian leader Vladimir Putin to halt the Ukraine invasion in an exclusive interview, proving the point that under Donald Trump, Putin would not have invaded Russia. How do we know that? Because he didn't. He didn't. There was four years where Putin could have invaded Ukraine, and he didn't. Trump claims Trump claims that his conversation Trump claims that his conversation with Putin delayed the Russian invasion of Ukraine because he said to Putin, don't do it. There will be hell to pay if you proceed. Well, he's kind of got a good argument being that Putin did invade Ukraine while Trump was president, but immediately, I mean, almost like the, the second the paint was dry, the ink was dry on the inauguration papers, Putin started planning his invasion of Ukraine because fumbling, bumbling leadership from behind Joe Biden was in the White House. I'm glad that Trump is finally making that claim because the media now has to report it. And that's Tim's Top 3, Part 2, here on a Tuesday, June 20th, 2023, 7.09 a.m. in the Heartland. I Silva! Away! Don't ever do that again. Sorry. So, 
Let me get back to that in a second before I forget this because I forgot this last segment. Our good friend Michael Clark, who we had on the airwaves here recently, who works for Americans for Prosperity, Missouri, lives down here in the Ozarks here in Southwest Missouri. He's kind of like the Southwest Missouri AFP guy. He had a trivia question up on his Twitter feed at Michael P. Clark that I got correctly. He says, can you guess, this was yesterday, and I saw it this morning when I logged on. Can you guess where I am for Missouri legislative candidate interviews for AFP Missouri today? Here's the hint. It is home to the finest whiskey barrels in the world. No pictures. That would be too easy. I got it in one guess. Do you guys know? Do you guys know the answer to this? Home, Missouri City, that is home to the finest whiskey barrels in the world, and it is just up the road from Springfield, Missouri. Really? There's your second hint. Can't say I'm like a big drinker or anything. Um, so I, I wouldn't know where the finest whiskey barrels. I know that there's a winery, the St. James winery up the road. There he is. You over, you overshot it. Oh boy. Uh, Lebanon. You got it. That's it. Lebanon, Lebanon. Missouri. That was just a guess. You, you, was that really a guess? You didn't look it up? No. Good guess. You got it right. Lebanon, Missouri, home of the world famous independent stave company independent stave independent stave was started like in the early 1900s and they made barrels from missouri white oak well long story short over the next 100 years plus the company grew through its generations and now is one of the largest barrel manufacturers on the planet they are a multi i'm gonna say maybe a multi-billion dollar company a multi-billion dollar company headquartered right here in little Lebanon, Missouri. How about that? Isn't that cool? Yeah, I got that right. Good job. I got that right because I visited Independence Dave many, 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 many years ago when I was speaker. Um, I did, uh, when I was speaker, I did two years of, um, statewide, uh, speaker tours. I did speaker tours. I found, I have these big poster boards that I put all of my agenda items on. I found them the other day. And I don't know, should, shouldn't they be in like a museum or something? You know? Uh, so <clears throat> I found my speaker's bus tours. We got, we, we rented an RV from Byerly RV in Eureka, Missouri. And we did a statewide speaker's tour twice. And one of our stops <clears throat> was Independence Dave. Independence Dave was 110 years old last year in 2022. They were founded in 1912 in Lebanon, Missouri, and they make barrels. So they've expanded. They've expanded their locations. Uh, and and oh, oh my goodness! It looks like oh my god, more than I thought. So their main locate their headquarters is Lebanon, Missouri. They also have another major manufacturing facility in. Get this. Lebanon, Kentucky. How funny is that? And if you go to their website, independentstavecompany.com, S-T-A-V-E, independentstavecompany.com, you can read all about them. And and when when you pull up the locations tab, it actually says North America, Europe, Asia, South America, Australia, and Africa. Holy cow. So they are truly worldwide. 
So a stave, if you're wondering like, why isn't it like the independent barrel company? So a stave is what the big wooden plank is that makes the barrels. Cause you know, barrels are not, they're not hollowed out. Um, you know, they're not, they're not one piece. They're not one piece, right? They're, they're made of staves. So you take the wooden, you take the wooden slats, you bend them, you put them together, you bind them with the metal bands, the big metal bands. And then the process of wood contraction and expansion forms basically a seal, especially when you put the liquid inside. So they're not, there's that, that's all that's done. There's no glue. There's no, isn't that amazing how the wood basically expands together and forms a tight seal and basically the liquid inside helps do that and seals it all in. Isn't that fascinating? So that's what a stave is. A stave is one of the the slats of the barrel. So that's why it's called that. So very cool company. And I'm glad I knew the answer to Michael Clark's question. So that was fascinating. We have got really interesting things. So yeah, independent stave supplies whiskey, wine barrels, everything all over the planet based right here in Lebanon, Missouri. Just right up the road. Um, All right, who are we going to speak to next? Chris Arps, we're going to talk about rigged choice voting, otherwise known as ranked choice voting, approval voting. It's all the same thing. Do not sign the company clipboards from the independent progressive, from the the, uh, far left-wing progressive lunatics. They're going to be trying to get your signatures to get this stuff on the ballot. We're going to tell you what to avoid next when we have Chris on. After Don Luziator's traffic, you need to know at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. have a couple of uh, wrecks that you're going to need to know about out there this morning. One of those is a non-injury crash at Weaver and Campbell. The other one is a two-vehicle wreck that's on Glen 3 and AM 560. That was the old regime. Who's going to go to jail for this? KWTO. Listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. can't wait to weaponize Joe's gaffe. But here's the problem with these stupid gaffes. And Biden has this plan that he has with the media, and he expects the media to never call his bluff. Biden comes out and says something, we're going to build a train across the Pacific, or God save the Queen, or I don't even know what my son does for a living. And you can't ask him about it because he won't appear in public for a week. And then when a week is passed and you get your shot, There's about 17 news cycles that have passed, so you can't even ask him about it. But if you do dare ask him about it, and you say, you know, Joe, um, you were in Connecticut, the Queen's dead, and you went to her funeral, you will be destroyed by the communication shop. You will be admonished, you'll be chewed out, you'll be isolated, and you'll probably be punished. Yep, and one of the guys that closely follows bumbling Joe Biden's schedule is going to join us next. If one of y'all says some silly name, this whole class is going to feel my wrath. Chris Arps, the principal of Red Tail Strategies, the founder of MoveOnUp.org. 
As he does on Tuesday mornings, Chris Harps of Newsmax and News Talk STL fame joins us. Uh, and he's with us this morning. Chris, you always, um, you, you frequently follow Biden's schedule. And so you can kind of dovetail into what Jesse Waters was saying there. They have this guy more protected and sheltered, uh, from the media and from pretty much everybody more than any other president in the modern age. Don't, don't you think that's correct? There is no doubt to that. Um, you know, we joke about it all the time on his, on our show. We talk about his schedule. Joe Biden every day literally does two events. He has his presidential security briefing, which is usually between 9 and 10 in the morning, and then he'll do an event in the afternoon, maybe at 2 or 3 o'clock, and that's it. You know, President Eisenhower used to uh, get a lot of flack because he was playing golf a lot and and, uh, didn't seem to work hard. But, hey, this guy won World War II. That's right. In the 50s, we were in a we were in a in a in relative peace. So it's okay for Eisenhower to have that reputation for not working uh, very hard. Joe Biden, he has no excuse. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Chris, you also pointed something out. I don't think we've talked about it on this program. We talked about it on our afternoon show in St. Louis recently. Tell the folks here in Southwest Missouri, Chris, about how many cabinet meetings Joe Biden has had over the last two and a half years? I was astounded when I read this uh, last week. Joe Biden has been in the presidency for about two and a half years now. He just had his second cabinet meeting um, last week. Two cabinet meetings. You put that on top of how many uh, uh, press conferences uh, he's done, which it hasn't been many. I think he's had two primetime press conferences the entire time that he's been president. The way that the media is covering for this guy and lets him get away with this light schedule and doing no press conferences is just amazing to me. And you remember, Tim, during the Ronald Reagan era, uh, when Ronald Reagan used to uh, take a lot of questions uh, with the helicopter uh, going in the background so he could pretend he didn't uh, hear them, uh, people would say, oh, he's not a very good president and he doesn't take questions. What Joe Biden is doing is just, it's shameless, and it's really not good for the American people not to ever hear from their leader, because it makes you think, who's really running the White House? It's certainly not Joe Biden. Chris, that's exactly where I was going to go next. When you're when you're not having any press conferences uh, telling the folks, telling the media what you are doing with your staff, when you're not having any cabinet meetings, you've had you've had less than one cabinet meeting per year at this point in time. When you make comments at uh, at pressers, when you frequently make not just one time, but when you frequently make comments like, yeah, I'm going to get in trouble if I do this or I'm now being told I need to take that. It's like, Chris, don't you start wondering who's running Joe Biden? Who's running the White House? And I know you and I have had some speculation on some of that. Yeah, many of us believe that Susan Rice, um, she recently has left the White House, but she was his uh, policy director, I think domestic policy director. Um, And a lot of people speculate that the president, former President Obama, is pulling the strings behind the behind the behind the scenes. If you look at Joe Biden's uh, cabinet and you look at some of the high level people that are in the administration, all of them worked in the Obama uh, administration um, as well. Chris, I remember, you know, uh, 
the most recent president, previously to Biden, Donald Trump. Chris, I often remember, you know, they would take those camera shots every morning. There would be cameras in the Oval Office or there'd be cameras in one of those other rooms in the West Wing where they'd have the big conference tables. I, I remember it vividly. Trump would be sitting around barking orders at this person or that person. They'd be photographing all that. He'd be he'd have meetings with with leaders of, of different industries and things like that. Chris, there's a, there is a noticeable absence of any uh, there, there's no there's no confirmation that anything's going on in the White House. Right, Crystal? So like when when all of these staffers show up every morning, junior level, senior level, whoever they are, like what do they do and how do they know what to do and who's telling them what to do, what to do? Right. I mean, it's like who's running the how are they how are they operating on a daily basis when the leader can't get through a speech on gun control without saying something completely bizarre like God save the queen, man. Yeah, it's, you know, it's just very obvious that Joe Biden is not in charge. You know, I think that if you look at his schedule also, I don't think this president, since he's been in office, I don't think he has spent one weekend at the White House. Every single mm. Friday, if you look at his schedule, um, he goes to his beach house in Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. Um, he doesn't even go hardly to Camp David, you know, the presidential retreat where they go and relax in the mountains of Maryland. He goes to his beach house every single weekend, and he has two events a day, if that. Mm. Folks, we're speaking to Chris Harps of News Talk STL and Newsmax fame. Chris, you recently uh, returned from an electoral integrity conference. You focus heavily on electoral integrity issues like citizen-only voting. Uh, and that's an extremely important proposition that we need to make sure we ensure is the law of the land here in the state of Missouri. Chris, another item that's reared its ugly head again is ranked choice voting. Now, I think they're mm-hmm. calling it something else this time, Chris, but it, it's all birds of the same feather, isn't it, Chris? And it's something that we definitely need to make sure that we educate all of our listeners on so they can avoid signing the petitions, getting it on the ballot, voting for it if it makes the ballot. Uh, ranked choice voting is something I believe that is completely and utterly funded and largely propagated by the left. And also it has its uh, so-called Republicans that are supporting it as well. You know, with this ranked choice voting initiative, uh, former Senator uh, John Danforth has put a bunch of money into it. We have uh, former officials of the Missouri Republican Party uh, that are in favor of this as well, pushing forward. We have former uh, former state reps that are on board with this. They are basically the front faces for this leftward uh, uh, organization or this leftward movement to basically to try to dilute the, the uh, majority that Republicans enjoy here in this state. Democrats know that they have lost the rural areas. All that they have is the, is the urban areas. And so to try to break that stranglehold, they come up with these schemes uh, where they take a simple thing of one person, one vote, and turn it into an algebra equation. And we've seen in New York and in Alaska and other places like that where the, you, you, you think that you know what the vote is going to be at the end of the night, and sometimes it takes weeks in order to tally up the votes because they've made it so damn complicated. Mm-hmm. And Chris, the way that the left would uh, accomplish ranked choice voting in our state would be by initiative petition, right? And that's why initiative petition reform 
was a top priority of the of the Republican supermajority this last session. They did not get it through. It, it, it's kind of crazy to me that you can amend a document as important and sacrosanct as the Missouri Constitution with a simple majority vote. So whatever the fad of the day might be in any electoral year, it would just simply pass. I know there was a lot of different um, – uh, uh, there was a lot of different uh, proposals on that. None of them got across mm-hmm. the finish line. Chris wasn't also citizen-only voting wrapped up in that as well. And so all of this really needs to be accomplished next year. They need to make this a priority next year, don't they? Definitely have to make it a priority because we see the open border. Uh, we see that they are shipping these illegal immigrants all over the country. Uh, they are giving them, they are paroling them, quote-unquote, which is going to mean they're going to get green cards. They're going to get permits to work. And what's going to happen is they're going to get driver's licenses as well, non-citizen driver's licenses. But what we've seen in so many instances where they're going to end up on the voting rolls, uh, these folks are going to believe because they receive voting material in the mail that they automatically assume that it's okay for them to vote, and they're going to end up voting. And we're going to see that all over the country. You know, Tim, I, I, uh, I've got a clip that I had for our show that I haven't played it yet. But it was uh, Amy Walter, who was the editor of the Cook uh, Political Report, and she basically gave away the ghost when she said that uh, this the last election came down to 40,000 votes. 40,000 wow. votes. Now, you're going to tell me that, that when it comes to uh, all of the shenanigans that the Democrats are doing with COVID and, and Gabart, uh, ballot harvesting and all that, you're going to tell me that 40,000 votes could have been fraudulent to, to turn this election? 40,000 mm-hmm. votes mm-hmm. in like three or four states is what turned this election against Donald Trump. Yeah, you start adding up all the precincts and the polling places, and you're right. You don't have to, especially in these urban congested areas, you don't yeah. have to affect very many polling locations, do you, when all said and done you across don't. the country? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Chris, before we let you go, I know it was yesterday, but we're going to celebrate it again next year. Uh, tell us the importance of Juneteenth uh, being a federal holiday now uh, and the fact that I know it all it, it, it emanated from one of your other favorite states yeah. beside Missouri, the great state of Texas. You know, I, I'm kind of a torn in a sense. As an African-American, look, I, I understand the importance of Juneteenth. I was aware of Juneteenth. Uh, well before a lot of other people did because my parents were born and raised in Texas. Mm-hmm. And June 10th, Juneteenth is a big holiday down in Texas that has been for years. Uh, I really don't know what am I supposed to be celebrating. Am I celebrating the end of slavery? Am I celebrating I'm free? I feel I'm already free. <laughs> uh, I think they really need to clarify the holiday a little more of really what it's supposed to stand for. I'm not trying to denigrate it, but I honestly, I don't know what I'm, what I'm supposed to celebrate. Yeah. I, I think you've described it very well. I think a lot of, I think all of us are trying to figure out, okay, what are we And, and some, some places were off. Other places were on. Some things were yeah. open. Some things, it's like, how are we supposed to celebrate this? What are we all supposed to do? I think you've encapsulated that really well. I mean, I think Juneteenth and Martin Luther King's Day celebrate a lot of the same things of, of emancipation, how far we've come mm-hmm. uh, in this country in terms of race relations, how far African-Americans um, have come. I, a lot of us celebrate that on Martin Luther King's Day. I don't know what I'm celebrating on Juneteenth. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an excellent. I think that's an excellent observation, indeed. Now I'll take a day off, though. But you know, that's all good. I, yeah, the bank's being I'll, closed kind of sucks, but you know. Right. Yeah, it was kind of a weird day <laughs> yesterday. It really was. It was kind of odd. No, Chris, are you? Yeah, that's right. Yep. No stock market. Uh, are you on Newsmax this Thursday? Yes, uh, five thirty-six and seven. Wake up, America, with host Rob Finnerty and uh, Allison Maloney. <laughs> Oh, Chris, I forgot to tell you. Guess who I uh, guess who I saw last week? He uh, haven't haven't seen them in years, but uh, my daughter Katie had a graduation party. Mm-hmm. Her godparents, Paul and Elizabeth Reckenberg, showed up. Ah, so we got to talk fantastic. all about Emma. Yes, yeah, the TV star. That's she, right. She, it, was, uh, it was really cool to see them. Yeah, and she does the show right after uh, Wake Up America. <clears throat> yeah, Paul said she's having a great time in New York. She's really enjoying it, and. Uh, and she's really loving Newsmax as it continues to rise as an important voice in the media world. So, uh, yeah, congrats to her indeed. All right. Yes, well, Chris, we'll check definitely. you out. We'll check you out on Newsmax this Thursday, 5.30, 6 and 7 a.m. Newsmax.com. Chris and I will be on News Talk STL this afternoon and every afternoon in St. Louis if you're up on the eastern side of the state. Chris, thanks so much for everything as always. Okay. And I'll see you uh, Wednesday. I'll see you Wednesday. That's right. All right. Absolutely. All right, my friend. Have a great day. All right. Very good. You take yeah. care. That's right. Chris reminded me I'm I'm uh, not on the air this afternoon. I'm heading over to uh, Kansas City this afternoon to visit with Missouri State Representative Doug Ritchie, who's running for state Senate in the kind of eastern Kansas City lands, Camden, Missouri, not Camdenton, Camden, Missouri. I'm learning about all these small towns once again that I used to know all about several years ago. All right, 732 here in the Heartland. We've got to take a break. We're going to step aside here for a second so Don Luzader can deliver all the local news we need to know. We can take your phone calls when we come back. 417-866-0933-933 AM560 KWTO. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO News. KWTO News time is 732 in Springfield off to a warm start this morning. We have sunshine 68 degrees. We're looking for sunny skies this afternoon all the way up to 89. The Missouri Department of Agriculture is asking farmers who sold cattle at a Sarcoxy sale barn to file a claim. Don, Missouri Department of Agriculture officials say there is concern that Schubert Livestock Sales LLC in Sarcoxy has allegedly not paid farmers who sold their livestock at their auction facility. Producers who have not been paid for their livestock have 60 days from the sale date to file a claim against the bond. This includes receiving non-sufficient fund checks. We have a link to the Missouri Department of Agriculture website. Find that at 93kwto.com. Brian Houseworth, Zimmer News Network. Springfield's Convoy of Hope is sending supplies to communities in Texas and Florida that have been hit hard by everything from tornadoes to flooding. Convoy's vice president of public engagement, Ethan Forehead, says they've sent food, water, tarps, and cleaning supplies to help people in these communities. He says they have disaster teams on standby in case they need to respond with even more supplies. And according to the Missouri Department of Public Safety, firework permit holders can legally begin selling to the public starting today. That goes through July 10th. Um, Illegal aliens have been released into our communities. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna 
Ride till I can't no more. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride. The Coast Guard is racing against the clock, conducting a clock search and rescue mission for a tourist submersible that went missing while exploring the wreckage of the Titanic off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada. On board, five people, including one pilot and four customers, who paid for a six-hour tour of the Titanic operated by Ocean Gate Expeditions. Rear Admiral John Mauger is coordinating the mission to try and re-establish contact with the sub and those on board. It is a large area of water. Uh, and it's complicated by local weather conditions as well. In a statement to Fox News, Ocean Gate says it's, quote, exploring and mobilizing all options to try and bring the crew back safely. Well, there you go. There's the latest on the submersible that we were talking about earlier this morning. I don't think any of us knew. <clears throat> I mean, I, I've heard over the years about these trips to see the Titanic, but I always I always thought it was, I didn't know they were doing like, like almost like, tourist trips that seems pretty dangerous doesn't it now the folks who are engaged in this seem to be quote professionals but i don't know if it matters how professional you are when you're going thousands of feet below the sea in a metal container so i i just hope they're okay but there's been no there's been no developments on this uh to date. Uh, oh, here's the latest update. Uh, missing Ocean Gate Titanic tourist submarine. So it's called Ocean Gate, I guess. I don't know if that's the company. I think the company's Engro. Uh, search is underway for a missing submersible. I think the submersible is called Ocean Gate, I think. A search is underway for a missing submersible that is used to take tourists to see the wreckage of the Titanic. The five person submersible. So, folks, I've heard that this thing is about as large as a minivan. Can you, Cass, can you imagine? Being in a minivan, thousands of feet below the sea in the dark waters of the northern Atlantic. That doesn't sound like fun. There are two places you could not pay me enough to go, even if I was given the opportunity. Space and the deep ocean. They, I will not do it. You can pay me enough to do it because they're so unknown. Did you know we know more about some, some parts of space than we do about the deep sea? You yeah. know how much of the deep sea we have not explored? So I don't much. think we have a yeah because because we are despite what the left wants to tell you about how you know about you know the 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 arrogance of the left and how they think that mankind can affect climate you know whatever okay don't let me get off on that tangent <clears throat> we are insects on the globe okay we really are and. I know that sometimes we feel like all high and mighty and powerful and, you know, you should, you should have a good sense of self, right? Good sense of self-worth. But I think sometimes we forget how vast the globe is because we often follow the same paths every day. It's just our habits as humans, right? So we get very used to, we, we feel like we have control of our environment, right? You get up in the morning, you leave home, go to your office. You go to the store, like you have a route, you, you know, your area, you know, the air, yeah, but most of us think about it, unless you're like a world traveler, like a salesman or running a company, you're probably migrating every day within the same, like 10 square miles of your home. Right. And I so, like it that way. I like and, familiarity. <laughs> if you think about how big and we don't even, you know, okay. Flying from coast to coast, you can fly from coast to coast in about three hours, United States of America. Look at look at a globe sometime. And yeah, the United States of America is a big country. It's a big landmass. I sound like Kamala Harris again. We're a big country. But 
<clears throat> when you look at the size of the United States of America compared to other nations around it or the ocean, we're like, we're like a speck, you know? And so I don't think human beings, except for the very few human beings whose job it is to like be like global travelers, like people who work for like National Geographic or Bear Grylls, you know, the guy who jumps out of airplanes all around the planet and lives out in the in deserts and eats insects. Um, I don't think we understand how vast and remote the world is, how big the oceans are. The left wants you to think that human beings are like ants covering the entire planet and the whole planet's overpopulated. The planet is not overpopulated. The vastness of this planet and the uncharted areas of this globe are vast indeed. Uh, you ever look, you ever look at like how big, uh, a place like Greenland is or Iceland or even Canada? Like everybody in Canada lives within like the, for the most part, most of the country lives within probably a few hundred miles of the Canadian U.S. border because most of Canada is empty and vast and remote and hard and cold, right? Even at the summertime. So when they say something like, so here's how they tell you where this submersible is. This is the closest landmass. The submersible was reported Sunday night some 435 miles south of St. John's, Newfoundland. Do you know how far 435 miles are? Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can give you some sense of this. So <clears throat> Springfield to St. Louis is hundred and. 100 and it's almost 200 miles like from the city like from the this from the city of st louis to the city of springfield so if you were to drive if you were to leave springfield right now and drive to like bush stadium okay it's a little further than that i'm sorry it's about um it's about 210 210 220 miles so if you were to leave springfield right now and drive to downtown st louis to bush stadium It'd be about 220 miles. Multiply that by two. And that's how far the submersible is from dry land. It's in the middle of the freaking ocean. All right. <clears throat> They've got the Coast Guard. They've got the Canadian Navy. They've got everybody out there looking for this thing. It's in the deep waters of the Atlantic, and there's five people inside. Go look at a picture of the submersible. I'm looking at it right now. It seriously looks like a gigantic propane tank. Okay, it's got that shape. It looks like a gigantic propane tank. It's got a couple of windows, I think, on each end of like the, the tube. It's like a gigantic tube. And there's like some round portal windows on each end. And then it's on like, it looks like it's on like a stand. Like it's on like a, like it's on like a rack. <clears throat> and so I don't know the maneuverability of this thing. I don't know if there's like an engine to it. I don't know if it, if, if it can go forward backwards. I'm assuming what I've heard is if it gets in ultimate danger, it does have a system on board that will cause it to rise to the top. Here's the problem. The speculation is it might have gotten caught up in something, a fishing net, some kind of wreckage, who knows what. 
you know, in the big wide sea. So that's um that's what's going on with the submersible. The thing is actually about the size of a minivan and it seats five people. So can you imagine how tight of quarters that is? There's no chairs in there. You're just squatting on the floor. This is according to a guy who was on it last year and said that uh, that, that submarine um, was constantly plagued by mechanical problems. Mm. And then they this got one? on it? This one? Yep. Absolutely not. Absolutely this re- not. This reminds me of a song that just, just kind of, just to kind of, the, the whole... Just the whole uh, futility of all this, looking for a needle in a haystack. Not that song. Well, that song, too. (laughs) Why does the... Do you have the broken flute version of this? Why does that song sound like that? That can't be the actual song. That is the broken... sounds like somebody... It is the broken flute. sounds like somebody making... It sounds like somebody making fun of the song. That is. It is somebody making fun of the song. It's supposed to be... Wrong. <laughs> it's, a, it's supposed to water? be Celine Dion's the lovely voice. It's like a That's kid so on a recorder. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a I got a better song that kind of describes the situation. So Cass, if you can look up, uh, we can play this maybe next time. Missio, you ever heard of the band Missio? They're a, they're like an alt rock band. They're a new band. Bottom of the deep blue sea. Okay. Bottom of the deep blue sea. Find it's it. a pretty cool song. We'll play it when we come back. All right, gotta get to a break. Seven forty-seven. Oh, that was loud. There it is, though. <laughs> <laughs> was it, I was not expecting yeah. it to come up so quickly. Yeah. Is this it? Doesn't this sound? Yeah, this is it. Doesn't this sound like the ocean? The vastness of the ocean. We're never gonna find this submarine. I hope we do. I hope we do find the submarine. He looks like a Viking. Missio is an American electronic alternative duo formed in 2014 in Austin, Texas. Uh, all right, we've got to get to a break here. 748 in the AM. Don Luzader with all the local traffic you need to know. Then when we come back, we can take your phone calls. 417-866-0933. 417-866-0933. Tim's Top 3, Part 3 at 805. Gabe Piper, a.k.a. St. John the Philosopher at 815. All that straight ahead, 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Well, we do have that two-vehicle crash still tying up to traffic. It sounds like Glenstone just passed sunset said in Springfield. Analysis opinion. This is a crisis. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. Strawberries and something more Ooh, yeah, I want it all Lipstick on my guitar Fill up the engine, we can drive I think what the Biden administration is challenged by, challenged in addition to what Phil just laid out, is that what people are feeling at home is different than the message they're portraying. And so, they understand that there's a conflict there. Um, they do have a record. They do have accomplishments. But they also know that people at home still think gas is too high. It might be lower than what it was a year ago, but they still say there's pain at the pump. The same thing at the grocery store with prices, with with the the... The price of goods, their rent going up, all these things that people say they don't think they're in a great financial position. So it's hard for them to receive a message from the president saying, hey, you guys are doing better. Look what I've done. It's just I think there's a disconnect there. So there's a CNN 
I don't know who that was, but that was a CNN commentator having a moment. Who's that? I couldn't figure out who said it. She, she's, she was having a, a moment of clarity there, right? Sorta. Kinda, sorta. I mean, saying, you know, on one hand, I, I've heard, so I, I, I'm starting to realize, and Chris Harps has said this before, their, their talking points are going to be, look at all these things we accomplished. Look at all these great bills we passed. What they're not telling you, and what the commentator didn't connect, she didn't connect the dots there. She's like, you know, we got these accomplishments, and things are getting better, but folks are still feeling the pain. Why? Why are they feeling the pain? Because of what Biden did. Biden caught, Biden wants to take credit for things getting slightly better from the crisis that he caused. Get it? So it's the whole Rahm Emanuel maxim. Never let a good crisis go to waste. And if you can create a good crisis and take advantage of that, then that's double points. That's double bonus points, right? At save a lot, uh, or price cut, price cutter. <laughs> that's that's double bonus points. So, Larry Kudlow made an incredible observation yesterday that I was really happy to catch. He said, "Do you realize that when Joe Biden took office, our GDP, like our annualized GDP growth rate, was near six percent, and inflation was at one point five percent." Joe Biden was handed a fantastic, roaring economy. And he destroyed it by doing what? It wasn't because of COVID. It wasn't because of COVID. It was the government's response to COVID that caused all these calamities in the first place. It was Joe Biden spending $7 trillion over the last several years. That caused historically high inflation that didn't exist. And that put the economy in the clunker, right? That's exactly what happened. I believe we have... um Sharon on the line. Sharon wants to discuss something about the Biden administration and the submarine. Sharon, good morning to you. Welcome to KWTO. You're on the air. Good morning. I've got a new name for the Biden administration. Winking, yeah, blinking, blinking, and nod with Winking being Kamala Harris. And guess who nod is? Because he's almost always nodding off at the microphone. Oh, that would be um, Joe Biden. Yeah. Okay, uh, my son was was in the Coast Guard and retired after 25 years. He served in the Pacific and the Atlantic, and he was in um, the Middle East. Let me tell you, my son put it into perspective for me as far as the vastness goes. He said you could take five grains of sand, drop them into the ocean, on either ocean in the world, any of them, and he said you would know about as much as that five grains of sand. That's how vast this planet is. So that puts it into perspective. We know diddly squat, we know really nothing about the oceans in this world. And as far as I'm concerned, the Creatures that live in the oceans, it's their yard, and I'm not going in their yard. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's a good point indeed. Thank, thank you, Sharon. Yeah, thank you for that. And yeah, Sharon's right. And yet, and yet the lunatic left, the lunatic progressive left wants to tell you that you are responsible for all the calamities on the globe. This massive, vast globe that we here in America are responsible for, quote, man-made climate change. We in America who have reduced our emissions to next to nothing. 
We have the cleanest burning fuel sources on the planet, but yet they still want us to shutter all the coal plants, shut down all the natural gas facilities. We can't use nuclear. Folks, do you know nuclear is zero emissions? Yes, you have to figure out what to do with the spent fuel rods, but they're not emitting anything. You can bury those in concrete bunkers and they're not that large, right? We can figure this out. We know what? We can put it in Elon Musk's rocket ships and blast them into space and have them blow up somewhere in the galaxy and it won't matter ever. They'll just be smithereens. When, you know, there's going to come a point, probably not in our lifetimes, but there's going to come a point where common sense is going to prevail. And people are going to wake up one day and they're going to figure out how to do small modular nuclear reactors. And the world is going to run on zero emissions. The skies are always going to be crystal, crystal blue. But the problem is we can do all these things. But if China and India don't play ball, then they're going to continue to pollute the entire planet. They're pumping so much. If you're worried about greenhouse gases and other pollutants, it's not coming from the United States of America. We could, John Kerry even admitted, John Kerry, there was a speech earlier, um, like two years ago, where he said, he he actually said the quiet part out loud. We know we're not responsible for this. He said, we could shut off everything tomorrow and the world's greenhouse gases and pollutants and all that would only go down 8%. 92% of the world is creating the problem that we're not, but yet we're supposed to unilaterally disarm and we're all supposed to live in caves and mud huts and rub sticks together for warmth. Oh, wait. No, you can't cut down the forests either. Yeah, let's just have them burn like they did in Canada. No no land management whatsoever. The lunatic left is destroying the planet. Conservatives are actually trying to save it. We'll be back with Tim's top three, part three, Gabe Pfeiffer, and more here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. and AM560 is your new home for local news, sports, and weather coverage. I'm KWTO News Director Don Luzader, and along with the KWTO News Team, we'll keep you informed with local information 24-7. On air, online, at 933kwto.com or any of our social media sites. Your new news authority, 933 and AM560 KWTO. It's time for Team's Top 3. Ha-ha, Tiny Timmy, away! One. But sometime in full swing as of tomorrow, right? This Today's the last day of spring. You're like, wait a minute, aren't we out of that already? Nope, today's the last day of spring. Tomorrow is the summer solstice the longest day of the year well with the longest day of the year coming summertime and all of that and fourth of july independence day just right around the corner everyone's cooking their johnsonville brats right remember that commercial charlie's cooking johnsonville brats johnsonville is recalling johnsonville is recalling forty-two thousand pounds of sausage the ready-to-eat pork links are sold under Better with Cheddar branding. The sausages, oh, this is not good, may have fibrous strands of plastic in them, according to the U.S. Department of Ag's Food Safety Inspection Service. Yikes. So if you got your Johnsonville brats for uh, the next few weekends, you might want to check the package. Tim Jones TV. is cooking Johnsonville brats. Remember those commercials? I sure do. How about we do, <laughs> yes, I do. Let's do number two. two. 
I just found this interesting. Mick Jagger, you know, Rolling Stones. Mick, you ever listen to any Rolling Stones music cast, or do you think that's an old dad rock band? Definitely dad rock. Lawn mower rock. Oh, come on. Good Lord. Mick Jagger lists his Florida home. Actually, this is pretty cheap. I think this is pretty cheap for Mick Jagger. I thought he'd have something a little more expensive. Mick Jagger lists his Florida home for $3.5 million. I really thought a home in Florida owned by Mick Jagger. I I don't know. I just somehow thought it would be more than that. Maybe this was his starter house. (laughs) Rolling Stones frontman Mick Jagger and his girlfriend, Melanie Hamrick, have listed a Florida home for sale. The lakefront. Lakefront? It's not oceanfront? What a wreck this must be. The the lakefront home has four bedrooms and five and a half baths. Yeah, it's probably a dump. Listed for three and a half million, the residence is located in the Lakewood Ranch planned community. How interesting that Mick Jagger has a home in a planned community. What is he like? Well, I guess he is a senior citizen at this point, but he's still rocking like Donnie. And how about we do number three? Washington Examiner reporting this morning that Anthony Blinken's visit to China risks fueling Xi's appetite for escalation. Good job there, Anthony Blinken. Or Antony. His name's Antony. A-N-T. Like like Marcus Antony. Antony Blinken has concluded his visit to China. Renewed high-level dialogue between Washington and Beijing is positive. However, when you're dealing with communist China and Xi Jinping, I think all the communication is probably terse and tense in Indeed. And that's Tim's top three, part three, for a fantastic Tuesday, the day before the summer solstice, here on June 20th, 2023. I owe silver away! Don't ever do that again. Sorry. <laughs> we'll do it again in a few more days. <clears throat> so, am I going to be here tomorrow? No, I'm out tomorrow. That's right. I'm going to be out tomorrow. Um, State Representative Darren Chapel, I believe, is sitting in the big chair. I am heading over to Kansas City and back this afternoon. Uh, going to be running over there with Missouri State Senator, former State Senator Dr. Bob Onder. Uh, it's going to be uh, a late night kind of a deal. And so I wasn't like, I was like, okay, am I going to get home at 10 o'clock? Is it going to be 11 o'clock? Is it going to be midnight? I'd get like four hours of sleep. It would probably be horrific. So I'm just going to take tomorrow morning off, you know, because I'm doing a uh, doing I'm emceeing an event. It's going to be very exciting going to a going to like a it's like a farm. It's like it's out on a farm in Camden, Missouri, which is kind of like I was like, where's Camden, Missouri? You're probably all wondering. Not Camdenton, not Camdenton, not the lake area. This is um, this is north of Interstate 70, about 35, 40 miles from Kansas City. So pretty much in the boonies. Uh, but it's a great, it's a great property. It's a, um, it's like this big giant event center, but it's like on a working farm. So, you know, they're making some extra bucks. They get entrepreneurial, right? So they got like this big, um, barn, this big barn event center thing. So it's going to be pretty cool. So we're putting on our blue boots and blue jeans and head over to Camden, Missouri for Missouri State Representative Doug Ritchie, who's the chairman of the government accountability, um, government accountability committee in the Missouri house. He's the guy who we've had on a few times and he's the guy that was trying to put the anti DEI language in the Missouri state budget. But of course, not as conservative <laughs> understatement, uh, Republican air quotes, Lincoln Huff stripped all of that out of the budget. So Doug Ritchie puts it all in, says I'm going to be just like they did in Texas, just like they did in Florida. So, you know, 
This is not crazy crackpot tinfoil hat stuff. This is conservative stuff. And why Lincoln Huff doesn't want to do conservative stuff as budget chairman in the Senate is beyond me because all the other states being led by all the other red Republican governors, some of whom are running for freaking president of the United States. I guess Lincoln Huff is smarter than them. You know, I guess that's his argument. But I think not. I think Doug Ritchie had a great idea. He tried to put the anti-DEI language in our state budget. And just so you all know, Lincoln Huff stripped it all out in the budgetary process. I, I'm not being, I'm not giving commentary here. I'm giving facts. Those are absolute 1000% facts. And you know what? Governor Mike Parson wasn't helpful with that as all, as well. And you know, Doug Ritchie is not a bomb thrower. He's a good dude. He is a pastor. He is, he may be still reserves. I know he was active duty military at some point. I don't remember if it was army or national guard or I, I don't know. I, I forgot his branch. I, I thought he was. I thought he was Army, but he may have been National Guard. He may still be in the reserves. Anyway, he is a very he is a very um, serious guy. You know what I mean? He's very serious. It's, it's hard to get Doug. To, you can get him to crack a smile. You got to work at it a little bit. So he's a very serious guy. He's not a bomb thrower. He he's 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 not he's not an anarchist. You know, he was trying to. He believes in this. He Doug believes in. You know, he's a pastor. He's got a worldview, and he believes that the lun like I believe. That the lunatic left is trying to literally destroy our civilization. That's no longer crazy crackpot stuff. They are, okay? The New World Order, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, uh, Bill Gates and his vaxes. You know, they're, this is, this is an effort underway right now for the globalists to, if, if you want the globalists and the DC Democrats to run your lives, then just go ahead. Ignore all this and pretend it's not happening. It's happening every single day. Uh, I just saw a um, just saw an update on the submersible we've been talking about all morning, the Ocean Gate submersible. Uh, it is it has Cass was uh, Cass was uh, trying to do the calculations on the oxygen. Cass, they just reported they have forty eight hours of oxygen left. Oh, I was pretty. I was pretty spot on. I said a couple days. Yeah. Yep. So I bet they find it. I mean, they have so much I hope technology so. right <laughs> now. And with- you would think. Two countries, Coast Guards working on this, Canada, and I bet, I bet they have. If if the other nearest country or is Greenland or Newfoundland, Greenland, that's it. That's a that's the capital of Greenland, right? No, it's not. No, where is? I think so. I'm. Isn't Newfoundland's not a Newfoundland's country. in Canada? Oh, Newfoundland's in Canada. Why did I think it was in Greenland? Uh, Cast the capital of Greenland is Nuke. 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 I didn't know that. I honestly did not know that. And all you, five you, people who live in Greenland. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nuke. Nuke is the capital of and the most populous city in Greenland, an autonomous territory in the kingdom of Denmark. Do you know that Greenland is still part of? I didn't know that. I didn't know, I didn't know that either. I thought it was its own country. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I wonder what the population. So they say it's the most uh, populated uh, city in Greenland. So the most populated city in Greenland has less than 20,000 people in it. <laughs> so the capital, the capital of Nuke, the capital of Greenland, Nuke, has less people in it than a large municipality. Well, what's, what's the, okay, let's, what's the population, the population of, of Ozark? It's like if Ozark and Highlandville were combined. That would be Ozark and what? It's like Ozark and a third. 
Because Ozark has, I think, 18,000. That's pretty. 18,000. So yeah. basically, similar to... So Ozark could be the capital of Greenland. There you go. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> um, Newfoundland. We're learning a lot about our geography this morning up in the northern northern Atlantic, aren't we? Uh, Newfoundland. Okay, Newfoundland is, I think, a... Newfoundland is a large island situated off the eastern coast of the North American mainland and the most populous part of the Canadian province province of Newfoundland and Labrador. You know, Labrador Retrievers? That's how it's, that's how it's spelled. The island contains 29% of the province's land area. So Newfoundland is an island off the coast of Canada. There you have it. This ship, this submersible, is... 400 some odd nautical miles <laughs> south by southeast of Newfoundland. That is the definition of the middle of nowhere. All right, we're going to talk to Gabe. You know what? Gabe Pfeiffer is a scientific dude. He is our resident rocket scientist. And I bet he knows a thing or two about o- oceanography as well. Or I just made that up. We'll talk to him about that and lots more when we come back at 93.3 and 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Watch out for some traffic slowdowns on the interstate this morning. Westbound I-44 just past the Stratford exit at the 88-mile marker. We're getting reports the left lane is closed from a two-vehicle crash. Also, still have that two-vehicle wreck that we told you about. Analysis opinion. This is a crisis. 93.3 and AM 560. KWTO. listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. The Coast Guard is racing against the clock, conducting a search and rescue mission for a tourist submersible that went missing while exploring the wreckage of the Titanic off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada. On board, five people, including one pilot and four customers, who paid for a six-hour tour of the Titanic operated by Ocean Gate Expeditions. Rear Admiral John Mauger is coordinating the mission to try and reestablish contact with the sub and those on board. It is a large area of water. Uh, and it's complicated by local weather conditions as well. In a statement to Fox News, Ocean Gate says it's, quote, exploring and mobilizing all options to try and bring the crew back safely. So a six-hour tour has now turned into a two-day misadventure. Let's speak with our resident rocket scientist and see if he can give us a little more insight into this and more. Three, two, one... Gabe Pfeiffer at John Philosopher on Twitter, also St. John the Philosopher, the YouTube channel. And liftoff of the Falcon 9 and upgraded cargo dragon. We know what orientation all of these these organizations are. They're just Marxist fronts for trying to uproot uh, American life. He's kind of a Mission Impossible kind of guy. The real goal of everything that they're doing is, is an acquisition of power. Your go for Section 6 when ready. Report go for launch. As he does on Tuesday mornings, Gabe Pfeiffer joining us once again at John Philosopher on Twitter, St. John the Philosopher, the YouTube and Rumble channels. Gabe, I know we usually talk to you about the great beyond as in space, but uh, you're our resident rocket scientist, which means that you're the smartest guy we know. So we thought we'd ask you about the ocean today. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Hopefully Gabe, I can answer something you asked me. Well, Gabe, I would just I would just like to know, you know, I'm sure you're following this story about the submersible as well. 
And Gabe, yeah. just do you think do you think that in 2023, given the enormity of I've been trying to describe to people, you know, the enormity of this situation, the enormity of looking for a needle in a haystack in the freaking depths of the northern Atlantic. I mean, there's a reason that we've never raised the Titanic, right? It's because it's in a very deep, uh, dark graveyard. Um, Gabe, do we have the technology to find this submersible or is this truly a needle in the haystack search? Um, I think if we had a, uh, you know, a, a military submarine in the area that could do it. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the advanced sonar that, that our, our submarines use would be able to, to find something even as small as that submersible. But, uh, I don't think the, uh, you know, you could get the Atlantic fleet to give up their, their, uh, their, their sub support. Um, and th- that it would actually get to this area in time anyway. So you've got the Coast Guard doing what they can, but when, when you're talking about dealing with the depth, you know, you're, you're in, uh, ver- you know, literally uncharted territory in many regards. You know, Gabe, we talked about that earlier today because there's a congressman who is a uh, retired uh, Navy man who is a submariner who has spent uh, several, he said over the course of his tenure, he spent several years at sea in the submarine, and he was he was saying that's honestly that's what we need to have happen here. Gabe, we it sounds like we need we need a big badass nuclear sub to go after this thing. Otherwise, it's going to be really difficult, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, based on what I've what I've heard now, I I, I haven't gotten a, uh, um, a specific number on um, how long their air supply is going to last, but given the size of that thing, I, it can't be long. And uh, and as the the, the, the passengers and crew grow more and more nervous. They're going to be sucking in more and more oxygen. I don't think there's time enough to, to get a submarine anywhere near them. So it, it's, uh, it's not looking good. Mm-hmm. Well, we will, um, we'll continue to keep hope alive as long as we can. And we'll continue to keep people updated on that folks. We're talking to Gabe Pfeiffer. He is at St. John, the philosopher on YouTube or rumble. He's got some awesome little video vignettes up there. And Gabe, I know you got a new one that we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, Gabe, one of the things that, that I notice uh, that, that you've been, you've been focusing on definitely is the culture wars and Gabe, you know, I want to ask you with, with Bud light, uh, you know, Gabe, this is amazing. Here's a boycott that is actually, working. I mean, I never thought Anheuser-Busch, well, it's not, it's AB InBev now. It's a global company now. Uh, AB InBev, Gabe, they're pulling out all the stops. They're giving away beer for free. They are reimbursing distributors. They're, they're, they're basically, I heard yesterday calling an emergency meeting, all hands on it, because Gabe, an American, quote, American brand that was top of the ticket for decades is maybe going to be destroyed Gabe, shouldn't this this should be a message to the other woke corporations out there? But it seems like that not all of them are listening. Yeah, um, I, I often wonder why we end up in this situation so often. You know, with, with the, uh, the the go woke bro, go, go woke go broke uh, phenomenon happening so often, you would think some of these companies would learn. But um, one one of the things that uh, that I and I'm I'm only kind of now just kind of getting into this is the understanding that um, this may have something to do with ESG infiltrating the banking system. So mm. um, it may, it mm. may be that in order, in order for these companies to still maintain their access to their working capital, 
that they have to maintain their ESG score. And that's, and that's uh, you know, all of these various uh, uh, pride affiliations, all of these various intersectional uh, DEI sort of efforts may be all in an effort to maintain their uh, good graces with the bank that provides them with their daily spending cash. Um, I don't know if people understand this, but uh, especially when you get to these big businesses, they don't keep cash on hand to, to do to do their daily business. Um, you know, they're not taking that set of Bud Light sales and then paying their workers with it. They get uh, these short-term uh, business loans, these capital uh, funding loans from banks, and that keeps the money moving through their system. These big companies, they're, they're, they're just kind of churning the money. They're not so much storing the money. So uh, their, their reliance on these banks to give them these short-term loans at good, uh, good rates is essential to their operations. So if they lose access to that, they're done. So it may be that they're, they're you know, they're, it looks to us like they're cutting off their nose to spite their face, but it may be that just that they're trying to survive the new mm-hmm. ESG bank environment. Mm-hmm. That's why, Gabe, as long as we still have the free market available to us, and, you know, I know the, the lunatic left is trying harder and harder every day, every week, every month, every year to try to pull back our access to the free market. But while we still have it, Gabe, people need to make different choices, right? And I know, I know a lot of, I know a lot of the red states, especially they've pulled their investments out of places that are run by giant, uh, conglomerates like BlackRock. And Gabe, I was happy to see a statistic. It needs to be more. But I saw that uh, shareholder activism regarding ESG has dropped 12 to 15 percent year over year from last year to this year. People are starting to wake up and smell the coffee. But, Gabe, it really needs to be zero. Right. I mean, there needs to be it, then we need to go back to doing what companies are supposed to do. That's providing good products and services to their customers and their clients. Right. Yeah, we're we're witnessing the attempted capture of a, yet another uh, cultural institution, and that's our, our banking and financial system by the left, by the Marxists. And, uh, and this, this is, it, it's really good that we're now aware of this, but we have to fight this extremely hard because if they, if they capture this, you know, this is, uh, that it might be, it might turn out to be the key to the kingdom. Uh, you know, they've already got entertainment. They've got the, uh, the news media, they've got, uh, uh um, uh, the schools, and higher education, and those are really big, major institutions that we need to fight to retake. But uh, if they get financed, then uh, all, all of those dominoes come crashing down. Mm. Speaking to Gabe Pfeiffer, he's got an awesome channel up on YouTube and at Rumble called St. John the Philosopher. He's at John Philosopher on Twitter. Gabe, you got a new video up called Superman, Man of Steel, one super disappointing scene. Gabe, before we let you go, do tell. Yeah, I'm exploring a particular scene from the movie The Man of Steel uh, where uh, we, we, we look at, everybody kind of knows what, what uh, <laughs> if you've seen Man of Steel, you kind of know what scene I'm talking about, is where uh, Jonathan Kent, uh, Clark's uh, dad, is talking to him, and he says something in particular that, that it, at least in, from my experience, it, it made people kind of gasp at the implications. Um, and I, I, I explore how that scene infected the entire Snyderverse, or this version of the DC Universe, which includes Wonder Woman and, and uh, Justice League and all those guys, and how it, it, it fundamentally changed the way that universe operated is one of the reasons why uh, the DC uh, movie universe has been such a disappointment in comparison to the Marvel Universe. Mm, 
I would urge folks to check it out. It's less than 10 minutes of your time. Gabe puts together these awesome video vignettes that you will learn lots, be entertained, and it'll give you something to ponder for the rest of the day. Gabe, thanks so much for joining us. As always, we'll keep an eye on the submarine and see if we can uh, give an update on that, and we'll look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thanks, guys. God bless. You too as well. At John Philosopher on Twitter. Folks, it's 831 here on Wake Up Springfield and all across the heartland. When we come back... I had something here I wanted to tell you all about. Let me see. Oh, oh, oh. I have got the newest presidential polling in the imaginary, which may not be so much, uh, in the potential hypothetical, I should say, matchup of Trump versus Biden. There's some new polling out on those numbers. I'll relay relay those to you next after Don Luzader's final local news and notes update that you need to know. The polling numbers and then the morning dump. All that is straight ahead in our final 25 minutes here at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO News. KWTO News time is 832 in Springfield. Off to a sunny start and uh, already getting warm. We're at 73 degrees already and we're looking for sunshine today with a high reaching 89 degrees. Up very close to 90 in parts of the Ozarks. A recount has started in the Ash Grove school bond issue. The bond issue failed by a handful of votes in the April election. 56.6% of voters voted yes, just a shy of the required 57%. The Ash Grove district covers parts of three counties. The bond issue passed in Green and Dade counties, but fell short in Lawrence County. All three counties that were involved in the manual recount of votes. Vehicle thefts and break-ins increasing in Springfield, Ozark, and Republic. Police advising residents to take precautions to avoid problems. Police say residents should lock their cars, park in well-lit areas, and not leave valuables in their vehicles. Nixa School Board will hold a special meeting tonight to review books that parents want banned. The board will also review the three books that could be in violation of a new state law, including A Mouse by Art Spiegelman. The, the board also will decide whether to keep or restrict four other books. District officials say those books have been reviewed by library staff and administrators, and the board will make a final decision on them tonight. And among the bills awaiting Governor Parson's signature is one that allows public schools to offer elective courses in the Bible. The sponsor of Senate Bill 34, Senator Carl... 93.3 and AM 560. By the same silent, we are a part of the problem. KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Kept on driving straight and left our future to the right. Now I am stuck between my anger and the blame that I can't face. Memories or something even smoking weed is not replaced. And all of their research that they're finding that nothing is sticking. Like there's nothing of that a Democrat not. can look at and say, yes, the infrastructure bill really helped me. It's not working. Yeah, no one get no one that no one can really point to anything that's helping them. They get these platitudes from the White House. And I don't care if somebody looks like a football player or someone's pretty, someone's smart, you can send out a whole cheerleading squad. And if the team is not, you know, together, then they're not going to win. And the whole idea of, of, of Trumping at 44 and Biden at 48 is not because of a divided country. Donald Trump has been painted to be the most hated man, the most criminal co- candidate for president. The fact that he's even that close to Joe Biden shows how badly Joe Biden is doing. Those are such excellent points. 
So <clears throat> first of all, unpacking that a little bit. First of all, what, what the lady said there about they have nothing to show for it is so true because, you know, earlier we talked about the fact that the Democrats are going to be able to say, oh, well, we passed this bill and we passed that bill and look at the inflation's coming up. Okay, well, yeah, you passed a bunch of things, but you don't have much. There. You, you, you did a bunch of stuff, but you didn't make the world better, basically, right? So they're, they're going to say, oh, well, look, inflation is half of what is. It's still double. It's almost triple of what it was when Donald Trump left the White House. So you, you don't get, I'm sorry, you don't get credit for creating a crisis, and then because the crisis starts to kind of cure itself, then you claim credit for it. Now, they will. See, they will. That's where Republicans have to push back. Republicans can't just sit there and go, ho-hum, yeah, we believe in, uh, you know, we're, we, we, you know, go America. I mean, that's great, but then you got to say how you're going to make America great again, how you're going to resolve all these crises, how you're going to be different. So the first part of what they said was true. The Democrats are going to say, hey, we passed this and we passed that and we did this and we did the other thing. Republicans are going to say, okay, and what did that do for America? What did that do for America? Uh, wages have retracted. I know liberals, that's a big word. They've gone down. Okay, is that better? Wages have gone down, have contracted, retracted for 15 months straight. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about that. You're paying more for everything and you're making less on the average, on the median, on the whole. Everyone is suffering, right? That's what Republicans need to say. So number one, when Democrats say they've got all these accomplishments, Republicans have to push back and say yes, and they've led to a weaker, less free America, a worse America. America sucks compared to what it was a few years ago, even under Donald Trump, even under COVID, we were coming out of things with a 6% annualized GDP growth rate and inflation at 1.5%. It's now more than double that, almost triple that. And when you look at certain consumer goods, you know, the stuff we have to buy every day, it's even worse. At the end of that clip, then they said, um, <laughs> I forgot. Cass, could you play that again? Could you play uh, Dana Perino and Janine Pirro again? They said something at the end that I wanted to follow up on. In all of their research that they're finding, that nothing is sticking. Like there's nothing of that a Democrat not. can look at and say, yes, the infrastructure bill really helped me. It's not working. Yeah, no one, get, no one, no one can really point to anything that's helping them. They get these platitudes from the White House. And I don't care if somebody looks like a football player or someone's pretty, someone's smart. You can send out a whole cheerleading squad. And if the team is not, you know, together, then they're not going to win. And the whole idea of, of, of Trump being at 44 and Biden at 48 mm, is yeah. not because of a divided country. Donald Trump has been painted to be the most hated man, the most criminal uh, candidate for president. The fact that he's even that close to Joe Biden shows how badly Joe Biden is doing. Trump is attacked every single day and Biden is not. Trump has been attacked every single day and Biden's not. Now you're going to say, yeah, but you know, Trump brings some of this on himself. Oh, so wait a minute. Biden's not worthy of any criticism. Are you kidding me? The evacuation of Afghanistan, canceling the Keystone XL pipeline, further dividing us as a nation, racial division and strife, 
The summer of love, well, the summer of love was Trump, but the Antifa goons have continued to plague the country. Okay. Whatever happened to Black Lives Matter? Do Black Lives not matter anymore now that BLM Inc. has basically spent all their millions and stolen the rest of it and no longer exists? Boy, do you all feel grifted from that one? Do you all feel good about supporting Black Lives Matter? Any of you liberals who did? They took your money. They bought mansions in Beverly Hills, you know, where all the, uh, the rich, wealthy, elitist, liberal white people live. And the organization is defunct. Well, that was a quick two and a half year run that almost destroyed the nation. How about uh, how other people view us around the world? We are looked down upon by the communist Chinese. They look at us as an inferior nation. The war in Ukraine is going like crap. Nothing that this administration has done has been a positive. Name me what. How are things better? Inflation is up. Wages are down. People are struggling paycheck to paycheck. We have more people not participating in the labor force than ever before. Half the country is trying to prop up the other half. And that has resulted in the latest poll. So despite everything Judge Jeanine just said and everything that I followed up on, where Donald Trump has been just obliterated by the media every single day and Joe Biden has not been. You know, if someone tells you the sky is green enough, if it's not storming, uh, if someone tells you the sky is green every single day, 35,000 times a day, don't you eventually think that you'll start believing it, that you'll eventually get brainwashed? And you'll be like, oh, my God, I've, I've just I'm told every single day the sky is green and the grass is blue. Well, maybe it is. Maybe Donald Trump is a horrible human being in every which way but loose. And Joe Biden is fantastic. Maybe that's true. That's what's been going on, folks. Despite all of that, isn't that amazing? Despite. The abuse that Donald Trump has been given. And, you know, does he bring some of the, yeah, he's a counterpuncher and he loves to also fan the flames. I admit that. But come on. You have to admit that the nonstop onslaught of negative media coverage, whereas the media has been largely fawning or ignoring Joe Biden, shouldn't that have resulted at this point in Joe Biden crushing any Republican, especially, especially Donald Trump? Then why, in the latest Rasmussen and Harvard-Harris polling, in both of them, Trump is leading Biden 45 to 39, a six-point spread after two indictments. Why is that? Because people have eyes and ears, and they look at their bank accounts and their 401ks, and they see that America is faltering and failing, and you can't blame you can't blame Donald Trump for the current problems of the nation because he hasn't been anywhere near the White House in two and a half years. Cass, we've got some news. All right, uh, Hunter Biden, gang, the son of President Joe Biden, will plead guilty to three federal charges, according to the Justice Department in a court filing. The plea deal will have immediate reverberations in the 2024 presidential election. Hunter Biden is expected to plead guilty to two federal tax misdemeanors and one charge tied to gun possession, according to the filing uh, in a federal court in Delaware. This is according to CNN. He will appear in court to plead guilty to the charges at a future date. There you have it. Well, Don, it's what we thought. They Boy, did they keep that quiet. Nobody saw that come. I mean, there's been hints and tips of it, and people suggested. I heard a couple uh, legal prognosticators a few weeks ago say that they felt that they feared that at the very worst, there would be a slap on the wrist, a slap on the hand, and that Hunter Biden would would be pled out 
and it would be very quiet. It would be over and done with, case sealed and done and delivered, and it would be done way before the 2024 election. They were correct. Yep, it's a pretrial diversion agreement. I'm sure you've seen some of those over the years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Wasn't that all courtesy of Merrick Garland's Department of Justice and Chris Ray's FBI? There you go. Well, anything else happened to Hunter Biden? What about the rest of the laptop? What about, wasn't that part of the disinformation, all this stuff that we're talking about now that Hunter Biden, is he pleading to all the Russian disinformation? Me thinks not. Hey, let's get to a break and we'll kind of analyze this in the break and see if there's anything else delivered to you as the stories start coming out. We'll deliver to you any details you need to know, including the morning dump. All of that is straight ahead at 93.3 AM 560 KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. Injury crash, Highway 160 and I-44. That's I-44 in the West Bypass. It's on the ramp there. Watch out for a slowdown. Also still have a crash. Highway 65 just before sunshine. Uh, that is South. 33 and AM 560. Hey, that was the old regime. Who's going to go to jail for this? KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560, KWTO. Yes. I did that instead of the morning dump because I figured we had to we had to cover this in our last segment. This is so important. <clears throat> so if this were a Trump child or anybody with the last name Trump or anybody related to Trump or anybody who had ever met Donald Trump and liked him, the headlines today would be the walls are closing in on the Trump crime family. The headline should be. The walls are closing in on the Biden criminal crime cartel, but they won't be. They'll simply whistle past the graveyard on this. Charges have been filed against Hunter Biden, and he's already reached the plea deal. So, the folks, if if it is not readily apparent to all of you at this point in time that we are living in a system, unfortunately, that has now become two tiers of justice, I don't know what is, two federal tax misdemeanors and a charge related to gun possession. So out of everything that was on the laptop, this is what he's going to get away with. Now, shouldn't be underscored, though. He's pleading guilty to crimes, okay? After the media has tried to protect Hunter Biden and Joe Biden for all these years and acted like it was Russian disinformation, it was the Republican Party. Oh, why are they abusing poor Hunter? You know, this 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 is a this is a young man who's got a very to say he has a checkered past might be my understatement of my lifetime. And they want to pretend like there's there's no connection between him and Joe and that Joe knows nothing about him and his business dealings. This is just scratching the surface. They said there was nothing to see here. Well, at least there's something to see here, but I'm disappointed. I hope this is not just the tip of the iceberg and we never see and we never see what's left under the water. But folks, with Merrick Garland's DOJ, don't be surprised, okay? We're not going to get full justice in this situation. You know, they're doing the, it looks to me like they're doing the barest of minimums here in order to get this out of the way, sweep it under the rug. Now now they can say, well, now y'all got to stop talking about Hunter Biden, okay? He uh, he was charged with what he was charged with. He pled guilty. 
and you now all just need to go away. Yeah, that's what they're going to try to do. He's going to he's going to um, probably get probation for the tax crimes, and yep. then the, yep. the 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 other deal through the diversion agreement. Uh, the related criminal charge will be dismissed if he complies with the conditions of a deal set for a period of time. Yeah, <laughs> he will never see the inside of a jail cell. He will have he'll have very he'll have a very light probation. Folks, this is the total greasing of the skids. Everybody should be outraged at the soft glove treatment that Hunter Biden is getting after everything that we have seen and know is on the laptop and everything that we have seen and know about the business dealings. What about the 17 alleged audio tapes that are out there regarding the extortion scheme that Hunter and Joe Biden were involved with regarding Burisma and Ukraine? Are they now going to say, oh, well, no, we, we've, we've dealt with all of that and there's nothing else to see and nothing else we could do. And that'll be a real shame. But you know what? I, I, I'm almost surprised though. He got charged with freaking anything, you know, at this point. I, I, it must have been so bad that they had to do something in order to try and pass the smell test, which this really stinks to high heaven. All right, we've got the rest of the morning dump to get to. Uh, Don, we do have. <laughs> had a delayed flush there. You got to flush the toilet. Yeah. Otherwise, there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, the morning dump doesn't go down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, folks, uh, the jokes are never ending, gang. They're never ending. Don, the Independence Day holiday is right around the corner, and therefore you're going to see a lot of tents popping up all across the heartland, aren't yeah. you? Well, what's funny is we have one uh, just down the street from our house, and it's been there, I think, since earlier this week, maybe late last week, but there's nothing in it. Well, starting today, uh, you'll see those uh, fireworks tents actually have fireworks in them. Uh, vendors can legally begin selling fireworks in Missouri today. According to the Missouri Department of Public Safety, they can sell to the public from today through July the 10th. Uh, the Division of Fire Safety typically issues permits to more than 1,500 seasonal retailers to sell consumer fireworks. Those sales expected to be their busiest July 3rd and 4th. Now, if you see a tent that's set up that is not open today, chances are they have not had time to be inspected yet because that inspection has to take place before the fireworks tent can open. Don, what's the current state of the law? I know you can buy them in Springfield. Yes, but you cannot discharge And everywhere them. else around us. What about discharging a firework? Not in the city limits of Springfield. It is illegal. Okay. What about the surrounding areas? Pretty much county. Okay. It's fine. A lot of the cities, like Battlefield, where I live, you can shoot them off for a period of time, legally anyway, right up through the fourth or just after the fourth. So, uh, so yeah, they are legal in some municipalities, but not the city of Springfield. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Folks, be very careful this year. We have not had very much rain, so let's be very careful with our fireworks shooting. Okay, take all precautions there too uh oh don a story uh, that we need to follow up on that we've spoken with regarding there was national attention the yes. new yorker interested <laughs> in what little nixa was doing oh yes with the books in its library we got an update on that don't yep. we school board's going to hold a special meeting tonight to review books that parents want banned the board will also review three books that could be in violation of a new state law including and i don't know if i'm pronouncing this correctly moss m-a-u-s by Art Spiegelman. The board will also decide whether to keep or restrict four other books. District officials say those books have been reviewed by library staff and administrators, and the board will make a final decision on them tonight. So we'll be watching that decision closely. Uh, 
President Trump has come out with a statement on the Hunter Biden situation exactly along the lines of what I just said. As President Trump predicted, Biden's Justice Department is cutting a sweetheart deal with Hunter Biden in order to make their bogus case to get Trump appear fair. Meanwhile, Biden's DOJ continues to turn a blind eye to the Biden family's extensive corruption and bribery scheme. The American people need President Trump back in office to appoint a truly independent special prosecutor that will finally bring justice. That's from Caroline Levitt, spokeswoman for Make America Great Again, Inc. Hunter Biden has agreed to plead guilty in the federal case stemming from the years-long investigations into his tax. So it took them five-plus years to slap him on the wrist with two misdemeanors and a gun charge that Don pointed out will be discharged once he completes the probation on the tax cases. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. He's been under investigation, Don, since 2018. How much time and money has been wasted on this? What a nothing burger. Ah, the two tiers of justice roll on. Well, folks, I will be out tomorrow. I'll bring you some stories from the Western Lands, my little trip to the KC region and back. I'll be back here on Thursday. Missouri State Representative Darren Chappell will be in the big chair tomorrow. Very happy that the representative is going to be available. He'll be with Don and Cass, and I'll be back to help you out with the rest of the week. Day 58 in the heartland. We've got to get out of here because Gary Nolan's coming up next. Play Travis Buck Sex and the Dan Bongino Show. We'll have plenty on Hunter Biden. The Elijah Har Show, Joe Pags and Jimmy Fallon, Fox Across America. The entire lineup always at 93.3kwto.com. Have a great happy hump day. See you on Thunderdome Thursday. We should cut taxes, reduce regulations, dismantle the corruption at the FBI and the DOJ, pull back the reins on the IRS. Golly shucks, you were right all along, you Republicans. That's not going to happen. Get out of your freaking fairy tale. Yeah, good morning, Mr. Jones. Great show. A lot of information. You do a lot of research and you really care about the state. Just refresh.